Fox Flight 1969, surface to Jet Nation Radio. Look at what a leader this guy is. Holt is fighting for his job this year. This is what quarterbacks are made of. Doug Middleton get a 50-yard onside kick. How uh. stupid can you possibly be making that much money? Folks, grab a snack. Let's go to eat a goddamn snack. And join Joe Blewett and Glenn Naughton for Jet Nation Radio. <laughs> And you are listening to another edition of Jet Nation Radio. This is the ninth edition of the watchable YouTube version. Um, today we are joined by myself. We are joined by Glenn Naughton, obviously, as usual, other than last week. And we are also joined by Scott from Play Like a Jet, who is a good friend of the podcast. And he's, you know, Play Like a Jet from Turn on the Jets. We're good uh, friends with that site as well. They do a great job over there. So he will be doing this show with us basically because I did not think Glenn was going to be able to call in as soon as he did um, called in a little bit early. So we're just going to run a three man show. Screw it. We can do whatever we want really. So it is our podcast. So we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk about some different things. We already had a little bit of a Kirk cousins um, talk before this. So I know that's going to come up as well. We'll talk about Todd Bowles and his extension and Mike McCagan and his extension, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but before we do that, I guess I'll introduce my two co-hosts for the show. So I guess we'll go with the honorary co-host and Scott. So Scott, what is up? Talk about your show a little bit. Like I said, play like a jet. You're doing a Monday Night Miracle right now with Marcus Coleman. Uh, I think you just put out an episode, what, a couple hours ago, right? So promote yourself a little bit, my man. Yes, sir. The, the seventh part of our series on the Monday Night Miracle came out today. It gets into the overtime period and – Having Marcus on, especially to talk about the overtime period, is awesome because if you haven't seen the game before, he was the star of that overtime period. And if you have seen it before, maybe you can jog your memory. Go to YouTube. The NFL's put the entire game up there so you can watch along with us. If you've missed any of the series, it's up on iTunes. And like you said, turnonthejets.com. And then we're going to be doing some free agency roundtables over the next couple of months. And I'm hoping you and Glenn will be involved in that. We're getting, I guess you would say, the – Jets, bloggers, reporters, players, all-stars, extravaganza, anybody who's everybody we're trying to get on. We've got a bunch of really cool guests lined up, and hopefully you guys will join the fray as well. Yeah, and as you see, Glenn is sipping his beer. Um, it is about 8, 9 o'clock for him, so don't think he's drinking at 2.30 in the afternoon like where it is where me and Scott are. Oh, I, I do that too. Don't Yeah. <laughs> I've done it before too, especially if you're a Jets fan. Um, it's cold. Dude, dude, I'm retired. If I make it past 11 without a beer, I'm doing good. And it's cold as hell. I think Scott just said like with windshield, it's like negative seven or negative nine right now. And that's why I'm freaking freezing right now. I don't know what it's like over where you are, Glenn, but um, I'm freezing my balls off over here. So um, hopefully this show can, you know, distract me from how cold it is. <laughs> um, but at, on Twitter, uh, Scott, you're just play like a jet one, right? All one word. Yep. Yeah, so you can follow him there. He tweets three million times a day, all a lot of really good conversations. He'll always quote people, and I'll talk about some interesting things, whether it be analytics or film or whatever it may be. He's a big supporter of our show. Give us retweets and retweets my phone. Only and stuff, two and so. a half million times a day. Yeah, two Only and a half two million. And a half million. Um, so you can follow him at Play Like a Jet One. You can follow Glenn at AceFan23. You can follow me at JoeRB31. Uh, Glenn, this week I did the obvious, you know, the, the Patriots. Film review, as usual, a little bit like last week. I was a little bit lazy where I only did like 36 plays. 
um, which is like minus 15 from the usual 50. Um, and then this, I think the next week too, I'm going to come out with a Quincy and Nunwa film review of his 2016 season to see what we're getting back in 2018. We'll talk about that on the show as well, but, uh, dudes impressed as hell. Glenn, anything on Twitter or articles you want anybody to know about? Uh, I don't, not, haven't done anything in the last couple of days. Been a little, I have a couple of things that I'm halfway through. Uh, again, just kind of looking at some free agency. I've, I've always liked the idea of, uh, and if you look back at the old uh, Tannenbaum drafts when the Jets were pretty solid, he had a couple off seasons there where he, you know, he did a really good job of plugging the like the two, top two or three needs in free agency. And if they, you know, this is a rare off season because, you know, as we'll get into later, you know, the fact that you might have a guy like Kirk Cousins. You look at the Bears. The Bears have two really good corners that, that are going to hit free agency. So even if they want to franchise one of them, one of those guys might shake loose. Um, so there, there are some some good players at positions that normally you don't see hit free agency. Um, and as, as it turns out, that's, uh, that's where some of the Jets' biggest needs are. So I know we like to bitch about how this team doesn't catch a lot of breaks, but if they're aggressive enough this offseason, they're going to be able to take advantage of uh, some really big opportunities. Cool. Yeah, so check that out. Like I said, AceFan23. You can find him on Twitter. He puts out a bunch of articles. Um, you can check out Scott Play Like a Jet. He does multiple shows, game reactions, and the roundtable that he's going to do. Um, with the Monday Night Miracle and a whole bunch of things. Eric McMillan was on there. You had a bunch of players. Justin Miller you had on there. Um, and then a couple of other guys I can't think of off the top of my head. But you had like six Carrie or seven. Carrie, oh, yeah, Carrie Rhodes is a really good Adrian one. Adrian Morrell. There you go. So, um, yeah, so check him out. But before we get into it, I got to go through all of the stuff that I usually do. We got two. We got a rating this week, which is five-star. We got another review, which was five-star, which we appreciate. Guy said, uh, easily the most – informative and detailed Jets podcast on the market. These guys running the show are extremely knowledgeable about football and clearly spend ample amounts of time watching film. Only issue is problems with technology tend to freeze and lag a lot, but other than that, it's a great podcast. Glenn, figure your shit out. <laughs> I'm hey, I, I, I think it's you, Joe. I'm, I'm... <laughs> Fake no, news. No. no, no, I'm kidding. Um, but we appreciate the reviews. Like I said, if you can leave a five-star rating review, it really does help much more than everybody knows. Um, so please do that if you if you could five stars and tell us what we can improve on. Maybe we'll consider it. If it's a stupid recommendation, maybe we won't. But you know, it never hurts to try. Um, so let's see what else. Uh, so I guess before we get into it, oh, I got to do the sponsor too, Glenn. So let me just uh, pull that up on my phone. I didn't have it prepared because, like I said, I've been a little bit lazy the last couple of weeks. Our sponsor is Odd Shark. Odd Shark is your one stop. Shop for the latest betting resources, information, and odds you can trust. Get experts, sports coverage, and detailed matchup predictions straight from Oddshark Supercomputer. Looking for statistics and trends on an upcoming game? Oddshark has that too. And best of all, it's free. The experts at Oddshark provide in-depth analysis for each game packed with stats, numbers, and trends that will help you make sharp picks on game day. Before the next Jets game, head on over to www.oddsharks.com. That's O-D-D-S-S-H-A-R-K.com and start playing like a shark today. Um, all right. Last thing, go on YouTube, subscribe, uh, watch us on YouTube. I don't know why you're not watching. Like I said, Glenn, we got thousands of listeners and, uh, not a lot of people watching on YouTube, which I don't, I guess, I guess I understand it's a lot easier to watch or listen to a podcast driving in your car at the gym, et cetera. But we do a ton of film on here. Last week was really, really film centric. So if you want to learn some stuff or maybe even if you know the stuff, you kind of want to just watch along. I, I think the YouTube is a great advantage to our dedicated listeners. I know the people who do watch it enjoy it. Um, but okay, let's get into the game. Cause like I said, we got three people. So it's probably going to be a little bit extended. Maybe not as extended as last week. Last week was 
I think like three hours and 15 minutes, which is uh, crazy. But um, like I said, Jets lost 26 to six to the New England Patriots in Foxborough. So as we've been doing, when the Jets lose, we do stu- our duds. When the Jets win, we do um, studs. So let's start off with the duds. Glenn, you want to go first? Who is your uh, number three dud of the game? I was, I was going to say, Joe, let's have our guest go first. Okay, well, okay, let's do that. We're going in order now? Can I just – there were so many. I, I, can I throw Bryce Petty out there? Yeah, just go uh, – we do, we do number one to three, or actually three to one, so three being the least of the uh, three duds. No, so. three, three being the best of the three, I thought. I always do the, the worst guy last, my number, counting down from three. Yeah, that sounds fairly reasonable. Uh, let's see. I would say Bryce Petty was number one, so we won't put him at number three. And da, 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 I'm trying to think off the top of my head who I would put on this list at number three because I wasn't prepared to go first. So you know what, Ashley, Glenn, why don't you go first, and then that way I can make an actual list. Yeah, sure thing. Um, uh, number three, I'm going to go with James Carpenter. I thought he had a – you know, which is the hmm. same because he had, he had himself a really good game the previous week. But, uh, again, this week we saw him getting blown up quite a bit. And uh, just, you know, it's a recurring theme throughout the season. Carpenter, Winters, and uh, Johnson in the middle. So he gets my number three. I think I have a play, which I actually uh, – the offensive line is obviously going to be in my duds. And we've been kind of staying away from that a little bit, Glenn, because the offensive line is just so bad on a consistent basis that we just kind of know they've been really um, crappy. I think, it's, I think it's this play. Oh, yeah, this is just a, this is just a power run, and <laughs> these are for these guys who think that uh, James Carpenter is a really, really good left tackle, apparently. But you just see Wesley Johnson and James Carpenter trying to seal the zero tech and the uh, middle linebacker who's threatening in the B-gap, and they just completely miss both of them. So Powell would probably try to cut in here because they're trying to take us into the – probably it's, it's the B or right. C gap. And, and you can tell that because Eric Tomlinson is, is uh, kicking this guy out here. But because he can't cut through here, because if you watch again, you see our two uh, pro ballers, Wesley Johnson and James Carpenter, completely miss their blocks. Um, Powell has to bounce outside, which then goes for like whatever, 10 yards or whatever. But this is like a play that we bring up a lot, Glenn, where we talk about, you know, Blau Powell making yards for himself. And it's not really the offensive line blocking for him. And this is just another example of how – bad James Carpenter is. He's a perfect angle on him and just completely misses him. So it's just reoccurring theme. I just wanted to, you know, I guess I just bring that up for, uh, to point out your um, reference of how bad he played. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, another rough game for him. And I didn't realize till today, just cause I hadn't looked at it in a while. Um, his, his, uh, his cap number, he, he is very, very cuttable this off season. I thought that it was uh, a kind of a, an iffy situation, but they, it's a $2 million hit with a $4 million savings if they cut him loose. I know they don't need the cap space, but I think if they feel like they can get an upgrade, he might be gone. Yeah, Scott, what do you think about James Carpenter play this year? Because we've talked about it a lot on this show, and I know he's like pro football focus is like 63rd ranked guard in the league, which we don't really refer to a lot. But I got mm-hmm. I got a, not any heated debate. It wasn't even a debate because me and Kyle Smith both agree. But we talked about how people are saying this guy's a pro bowler, which I, I think is so far from the truth, where this year he's a really bad starter to a, a good backup like play. And maybe he'll bounce back, but this year has just been terrible for James Carpenter. I, I saw not – not to interrupt, but to kind of play on that point, and you, you see how guys really do live on reputation – especially with, you know, the casual fan. 
Um, and even some, you know, some of the diehards too, the rabbit fans, you know, they, they kind of don't see it, but, uh, I, I did that, uh, you know, every year they do that, keep them or dump them in the daily news. I, and the only reason I do those is because I want to see where the fan base is. Cause that, you know, you got to vote to see what, how people are voting. And I think it was like 73% of people said, keep James Carpenter and, and like 48% said, keep Wesley Johnson. I was like, well, what the hell, who's voting in this thing? I think he's had I thought Wesley really Johnson was going to be like, maybe it was supposed to be 4.8%, but I swear it said 48%. <laughs> yeah, I think Carpenter has been subpar this year. I think besides this year, though, he's been pretty solid since they signed him. Absolutely. So that's why I could see cutting him if they feel like they have somebody better. But I feel like if they plug in a better center, because Wesley Johnson was horrible, he's one of the worst centers in the league this year. I think if they plug in a better center there, it would be worth keeping Carpenter around to see if he bounces back because even though it's not a huge cap hit if they cut him, he also isn't due a lot of money this upcoming year. And if he can get back to his former form and be a a solid starting guard, it would be worth having him. So I probably would hang on to him. But, yeah, Wesley Johnson's embarrassing. And, And, yeah, I agree. He's lived off reputation this year. And you guys both know this. Joe, you study the film extensively, so you know this more so than most, especially with offensive linemen and defensive linemen who aren't sack artists. Guys live off of reputations because if you're a casual fan, you're not sitting there and studying what each guy did on a specific block or what happened on a specific play or you know which guy the running back ran behind in a lot of cases. You just know, okay, this guy has a reputation for being good. And unless you specifically see him getting beat a lot, you just think, okay, well, James Carpenter was good the last two years, so he's probably good again. I'm not hearing that he's bad. So I think there's a lot of that that's going on with him. With Winters, obviously, we later found out that he'd been hurt pretty much the whole year and been kind of playing with all kinds of injuries. So maybe he bounces back as well. But I think that's a lot of what happened with Carpenter. Like you said, Glenn, he was living on reputation. And I think that the center position, uh, the fact that we went from Wesley Johnson being there for a couple of games and playing okay to being there the full year and being horrible probably impacted him a decent amount. So I'd be curious to see if he bounces back, if they add a center who's better. I think as far as me with Duds, the secondary gets a few of those this time around. And I think that one of them has got to be Justin Burris. I think now at best you could say he's a rotational piece that comes off of the bench. Any thought of him ever being any kind of starter in the league has got to be gone. He did not play well on Sunday saw him get beat like a drum a couple of times. And, you know, listen, as much as we bagged on Daryl Roberts and how he's not that good either, he's better than Burris. I mean, it's not saying a lot. So the fact that you can't even play better than Daryl Roberts to me shows that, again, maybe he's a fourth or fifth cornerback, mm. but they're going to have to upgrade in the offseason. Yeah, I have, a, I have a play of him somewhere, uh, Burris. I, I might It might be uh, – keyed up somewhere in here maybe I'll bring it up later and I'll um show everybody but yeah there's just a time where I think it's a power run to the right and uh Burris just takes a terrible angle in the open field again which he does a lot uh, especially if he's going head on with some guy with guys he definitely takes terrible angles like now if he's coming from the side in pursuit or something like that yeah he might make a tackle like he did twice last week on I think it's like a swing pass in the screen, but when he's coming head on head with a guy he's he's really really bad in the open field and we've seen at least 
maybe four or five big plays allowed by Justin Burris when he's in the game, just people running right at him because they know he can't tackle or he just takes terrible angles. So um, I definitely agree with him being in, you know, in your duds list. And my number three is uh, Darren Lee, actually. And uh, we haven't brought him up a little – we haven't brought him up too much this year. Um, it, we minus, did a lot early on. Yeah, but I say minus the beginning of the year, like the last couple of, I would say like the middle part of the season, he was playing actually pretty solidly. We're like, okay, well, maybe this guy can be a relatively, you know, solid contributor for the Jets, you know, going forward. And now the last couple of the games, he's really fell back down towards um, earth where he was in the beginning of the season, even in his rookie year. And I think I, I labeled this clueless <laughs> um i don't realize I, I always i always forget that i that I like label that people can see it when i do the when i do the show did i did i put it up yeah. on the screen yeah i did okay yeah. so, sometimes the green thing doesn't go around it which is weird um but this is a, just a mixture of man and zone and you actually see marcus may take an angle too far um to the outside of animal dull is just a quick hitch and lee is on gronkowski and man and you're gonna see him just run right by like he has no idea and then uh he which obviously leads to him taking a bad angle and being in a bad position to tackle Amandola. But, like, from this point when he catches the ball, like, what is Lee doing? Does anybody know? <laughs> he's just, like, galloping around. He's like, oh, shit, he's about to run by me. Like, I've, It looks like he's so, <laughs> he's so fixated on Gronk, he's not watching what's going on in the football game. Yeah, so it's just like and, – and this happens a lot where his, his awareness – um, it's just really, really bad. Where he'll lock into a quarterback in in zone coverage, um, get taken out of his zone by getting manipula uh, manipulated by the quarterback size, things like that. Instead of being aware of who's coming in and out of his zones, where he's just not a very instinctful football player. Where any good football player is going to notice, okay, this guy who is right in my peripheral vision to the right has the football. Maybe I should try to tackle him. But um, I, I put him on my as my as my number three. I think he only had like two tackles, which you know I'm not going to go by. A, tackles altogether but there's a couple of times in this game where he just made some terrible plays and this was one of those and the, the the only thing watching that a few times i you know it, it, sometimes it's all about you know relativity and what you know from from their perspective i wonder if gronk is screening in there i wonder if he just gronk is so big is he is he not seeing the his line of sight and by the time he realizes that you're right he's like oh shit this guy's got the ball yeah, but he's well, on his wonder, ass though. So all he has to do is look over his shoulder to the right. It's not like it's not like Gronk is is running towards the sideline where he can't see past Gronk. It right, right there. He could he could. But, but but that's what I mean. You would think he could, and and the ball's already been thrown. So he if he's if the ball is thrown when he's screened, like he's, he's looking that way right now. I don't <laughs> like you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks that way, but I, I'm I'm big on like you know trying to trying to figure out what they're seeing like you're, we're the, looking ex at it. you're the excuse maker glenn that's what you are no 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm the guy i'm the guy that understands that things look different from different angles yeah and, uh, and but but either way it's still it's it's a lackadaisical effort and he you know he's got to do better than that it's not a good play but i i look at the worst of plays and say what the hell how does this happen so i look at that and say the only thing i can see as to why he was completely clueless as to what was going on is he able to see it from that angle with him and Gronk, with Gronk between him and the ball? And obviously he sees it and then makes a move, but it's still a bad play. Yeah. Um, and this is I'll, – I'll just bring up another, another one. And this is actually just of last week, just to, just to point out. Because, like I, like I said, I was a little bit lazy this week. I'll, I'll admit it. But this is another one where we talk about me and Kyle last week where he's in, a, he's in a hook zone right here, which is an intermediate zone. And you can see him, like I said before, just staring at the quarterback, staring at the quarterback. And there's a guy – I think it's just an in or it's a, um, just a crossing route. I forget exactly what it was on the, on the bird's eye. But he's so distracted by Phillip Rivers, has no idea who's coming in and out of his zones. Just let's uh, – what was that? Is that, is that Gordon? I don't know. I, I can't see the eight. Um, lets him catch the ball in front of him, et cetera. We see this a lot in 
in zones with him. He's just really unaware. But Zubon, I don't want to spend – He doesn't have great instincts. That, that's kind no. of the big problem. No, He's a great I... athlete, but he doesn't have great football instincts. Yeah, and as, as, as we've said a couple times, with him being still fairly new to the position, you hope that develops over time, but it doesn't he – ha, he has some good games, but then, then he has some where it looks like he hasn't made any improvements. Yeah, okay, so Glenn, let's, let's move on. We'll go to your number two first. Um... Uh, my number two, the guy that was already mentioned, Justin Burris. Um, okay. You know, we talked, you know, saying earlier that, he, you know, he'll probably never be a regular corner. I agree with that. I think that one thing they should look at is, uh, you know, I know when he was drafted and when he played in college, he did play a little bit of safety. Um, and I wonder if they maybe look at a move there. Because really, as bad as he's been at corner, I don't know how you really keep him on the roster um, other than the fact that, uh, you know, I, if you just live with the fact that you're going to have depth guys who aren't starter quality. But um, unless you can move him, then I don't see uh, I don't see an alternative. Yeah. Um, so for my number two, Scott, you have a number two. You kind of just had like a freelance – uh, list, which is completely fine, obviously. I don't know if you have, like, a specific number two or not. Sure. I, I mean, I'm, I'll save Bryce Petty for number one because he deserves it. But number two, and I realize he was hurt, and the fact that he was playing hurt even though he was an impending free agent, so I give him credit for that. But he still played poorly. Morris Claiborne, I didn't think, did very well on Sunday. And I think that overall, he's been a huge disappointment down the stretch. I thought he played very well out of the gate the first game, few games of the season. But then I don't know if it was injuries or he just kind of fell off a cliff. The second half of the year, he was really, really bad. I thought overall, he got beat a lot. Uh, if memory serves, it was Cooks who was doing the damage on him. And it's funny because Cook, he did a great job on Cooks the first time in yeah. the first game at home. And then this game, he just kind of was lost again. I realized that there's a built-in excuse there because he was injured, but it was just – it was sad to watch. I think if the Jets – and we'll talk about off-season stuff later, I guess, but if the Jets are going to bring him back maybe on another one-year deal, it can't be to do what he did this year, which was to be the number one corner. If you bring him back, he's got to be that number two guy, and you need to spend some money on a real number one because – Clearly down the stretch, we saw he faded. And in that game against the Patriots, he looked really weak. Yeah, he wasn't even on my list either. But um, he he probably deserved it, honestly, that I think about it. Because he got beat on that mesh concept where uh, he let Cooks have the inside. And then he beat him. And then he did, like, that Kyle Wilson famous thing where the quarterback yeah. just made a bad play. And then he gave, like, the, you know, like, no fly zone thing. Like, yep. you know, crossing his arms, celebrating. He also got beat by – uh, Cooks again up the left sideline where yeah. he, Cooks actually he – he's actually on him and he had a slight stutter step in the middle of his route, which um, beat Morris Claiborne. And, and Cooks had him by like a yard and a half, two yards, and Brady just underthrew the ball. And it's pretty evident to me too that Brady is not the same quarterback that he used to be, especially in this game, like watching every single one of his snaps. He misses some throws now. And maybe that's the cold, um, and it probably is a little bit of the cold, but he's, I don't think he's the same quarterback that, that he used to be. I think that's pretty fair to say. Uh, but – yeah, regardless. It probably doesn't help that he doesn't have Edelman either because Edelman's been his security blanket for the last few years. Before that, it was Wes Welker, a lot of timing routes and stuff like that. So I'm sure that didn't help, but I agree. He has definitely been missing more throws lately, and we don't need to talk about that whole thing with the Patriots that came out today, but maybe that plays into the whole drama. Yeah, I didn't even read that. I saw like a big long article, and I had some stuff to do, so I didn't even read what what happened with um with that. But you know, I don't really. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bother with it to be honest with you. The vast majority of it is stuff we pretty much already knew. 
Yeah, and so my number two is Petty, 19 for 36, 232 yards, uh, 27.7 QBR. And uh, I'm not going to bring up like five or six plays like I did the first couple of weeks he was starting, but I'll just, I'll just let it run through, I guess. But here he just misses an, an out route to Sterling, who actually has – actually, I'm not going to let it play, sorry. He, he creates some separation on whoever this – I don't know who – if anybody could see that number, but it's, it's most likely the safety – um, create some separation. He, if he, if this ball was thrown to the outside right here, he can catch it and maybe even run in for, for a touchdown. And I understand that Petty was pressured a little bit because Ajalana couldn't hold his block. So he's pushing into him. So he had to rush his throw. But if he puts this on the outside, it's, it's like I said, a catch or maybe even a touchdown. But what does he do? He misses him behind. Misses him behind where the, the defensive backs actually picked the ball. He just dropped an interception. Um, and again, we see the poor footwork regardless if, if he's getting pressured or not. You see that and this is, this is something that we've noticed a lot, Glenn, and I'm Scott, I know you look at the film reviews I do and you listen to the show. Where is his foot pointed? You're supposed to have your, your foot pointed yeah. to where you want the ball to go. His foot's pointed to, uh, towards the sideline. His plant foot's not strong where it slides back. You never want your, your plant foot to slide anywhere, especially when you're stepping through the throw. And maybe he can't even step through the throw um, completely because of the pressure. But still, you don't want your plant foot to slide. And even if it's a 15-yard throw on an out, it's, this, is, this is an easy throw for an NFL quarterback. And he misses it completely where it should have been an interception. So, um, Petty's just – he's been really, really bad where somebody commented, I think, the other day – or I was telling you, Scott, before where somebody's like, oh, well, you know, this, this throw that I'll bring up later is a dig and it's a really nice throw. Um, he's an NFL quarterback, but it's about consistently doing it and he's extremely inconsistent where he might make two, three good plays a game, but then there's, you know, 15 other ones where he looks like he's, he should be a third string, um, you know, on a team. So, Glenn, uh, thoughts yeah. on Petty this game? No, yeah, he was terrible again. You know, he uh, he struggles. It, nothing really, nothing else really needs to be said. He misses too many open guys, and it's uh, it's a situation where uh, I kind of view him and Hack kind of similar in that it's like, are they worth bringing back next year, even for a look, even to see if they've gotten better? You know, it's, I mean, I with a you know with a ninety man roster in the preseason, it, I'd say you know, sure, you want to bring him back and look at him for a month, that's fine. But I, I don't think anyone <clears throat> expect, expects much from him at this point. But it's uh, maybe it's the, uh, you know, the Jet fan in me that's, that's tired of not having a quarterback and as bad as he looks. I, I look at guys like, you know, when I look at his numbers, and I don't know why, but it hit me the other day. As I was watching this game and I see him missing all these passes, this image of like and, – and I said this the other day. I did uh, the, the No Fly Zone guy show. Anytime you say two names in the same sentence, people automatically say you're saying that guy is that guy, and I'm not. But uh, yeah. but if, if if you're old like me, um, you might remember you know the, the first couple of years in the league that Giants fans had to watch Eli Manning, you know, yeah, you know, re regularly. Like I think you know I was still young enough at the time. Eli Manning is like the first memory I have of an NFL quarterback who could not complete a screen pass, and uh, you know for his first two three years on a weekly basis he's completing 50, 55% of his passes. Um, and again, no, I'm not saying, oh, just hang on to him. He'll be Eli Manning. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying that with a 90 man roster, a full off season and a full training camp, keep the guy around, see if he doesn't suck. And if he does, you let him go. Hans, so Glenn, you think he might be able to develop into a guy like Eli Manning? I think, I think I, what I'm saying is he'll be better. Yes, that, that's what I'm actually saying. You can win two Super Bowls, Glenn. <laughs> no, four, four. Four Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah, if I could jump in with you guys, I agree. He was terrible. There was that throw to Robbie Anderson in the end zone that I don't even know what the heck he was trying to do there. Is there that last that week, Scott? 
Was that last week or this week? Now my memories are blending it, together. It, it, it might have been um, it might have been this week, but the throw that I can think of, like off the top of my head. Wait, you like, know what you're talking? You, yeah, you know what you're right. It was it was the Charger game. They're all blending together. But let's just say this week, I guess you could say he was, he was slightly better than he was missing those throws. I know there was one to Austin Safarian Jenkins against the Chargers as well. But there were just there were too many throws. Again, you hit the nail on the head overall, Joe. You could there was that one throw that I know that and I'm I'm trying to remember who it was to that you pulled up. It was a nice deep throw that he had. And you could look at that and say, Okay, here's why this guy got to the NFL. Here's why he was successful at Baylor. But then if you watch an entire game and you break down all of the film, what you will see is, as you said, a complete lack of consistency and you will also see a lot of terrible traits. Like you said, some of the worst footwork you will ever see. Yeah, and you pointed bad. out the whole plant foot issue. It's absolutely terrible. And you'll see a guy who struggles to complete many different varieties of passes. The, the truth of the matter is really Bryce Petty has a pretty deep ball and a strong arm. And other than that, he doesn't have much in his arsenal. And when they drafted him, they kind of knew it. There were some things. I was talking to Mark Schofield on the post-game podcast after the Patriot game. And what he said was when he came out of Baylor, he thought it was a reliable – or I shouldn't say reliable, but a reasonable pick because of the fact that here's a guy that had a big arm. He had some athleticism. And there was something that if you had the right coaching, maybe you could coach him up into something. So if you pick him in the fourth round or whatever, fine. But you knew that you were picking him and he was very flawed and a big project. And you were hoping that you would be able to coach him up into something. And unfortunately, it just looks like that isn't going to happen with him. We've now seen the equivalent of about half of an NFL season between the last two years of him. And I can't imagine this guy being an NFL level quarterback beyond maybe a number three or something like that. I don't think he'll ever develop into a reliable backup. So even if he throws a nice deep ball here and there, and Joe, we were talking about this, and, and Glenn, we'll talk more about this when we get into the whole Kirk Cousins thing, but it's kind of what you want to see, right? If you want to see the positives, you can put together a highlight tape of Bryce Petty with a handful of throws and go, look, look what he can do. But if you look at it in the totality, you're going to see that overall, there's way more bad than good there, even if there are some positive traits. You know what really worries me, and I hate, you know, not to get too much into the coaching at this point, but he wasn't, Petty wasn't good last year, but he was better than this. Like, he, he was, he completed a higher percentage of his passes. We saw some plays where he was going through reads, making throws on the run. I feel like I'm watching him this year, and he looks even worse. It's like, well, I, I he did I, have Marshall and Anunwa last year. Do you think that's part of it? Well, well Marshall was terrible, and that, that kind of became a story. If you think back, like, he that's hardly true. ever targeted Marshall. And that's that, true. That one of the criticisms of Petty, and I had this from a couple of people, is that I think some it, it was an insane number, like 40-some percent of his passes went to Robbie Anderson. He chucked yeah. his Robbie Anderson, and yeah. It, it was like, yeah. And it was like, if this guy doesn't learn to spread the ball around, he's not going to be any good. Well, this right. year he's spreading the ball around, but he's, he's way off target, even more so right. than last year. How bad does Hackenberg have to be, by the way? That as bad as Petty was, he couldn't even get – you know what was amazing? It's funny. During the game at TOJ, we were all group texting, and we're like, okay, when's Hackenberg coming in? Oh, he's coming in in the second half. All right, he's coming in in the fourth quarter. All right, he's coming in for the last three minutes. He never came in at all. 
And it's amazing because the game was long over at 26 to six. Yep. And there's what, three minutes left. And Hackenberg still can't get in the game. And to me, the only reason for that has to be, because at that point you have nothing to lose realistically, it's got to be that he's not just bad. He's embarrassing bad. Like he's so bad that they were afraid they were going to end up as the lead story on SportsCenter because he was going to throw the ball off his own helmet or something. So I, I think, again, I'm sure we'll talk about this more later. I think that there's a good chance that the Jets will move on from him and if they don't, it's only out of sheer stubbornness because, quite frankly, the guy, if he can't at this point after two seasons get on the field in the last three minutes of a 26-6 to blowout the last week of the season when the only other guy available is arguably the worst quarterback in the NFL at this point, I mean, lost cause as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and, and, and that's why I said I consider him and Petty the same. Like, uh, if, if they were to be let go tomorrow, I'd be fine with it. But if you tell yeah. me – well, we're going to bring them back just to look at them in camp and see if they look better. And yeah, fine, do that. But if they come back to camp and they look the same, like the same guy, then you cut both of them. Yeah, I, I think I think Petty does look worse than he did last year, which is a worry because maybe if he improved just a little bit with his footwork, whatever that plant foot pointing it, um, following through, whatever it may be, keeping his shoulders more level, then yeah, you could say okay, well, he's he's taking some steps in the right direction. But a step backwards for a guy who's already really, really bad is not um, good. And we talked about a couple of weeks, Glenn, where I, I think that only one of these guys is going to be on the roster as a number three. If they do even carry num- you know, a number three, there's teams who only carry two. So let's say, you know, for whatever example, you, I know you guys want Kirk Cousins, I do too, but let's just say they draft Mayfield and they want to sign McCown. I can see them with only two quarterbacks, especially with the Jets roster, who's going to, you know, have a hundred million dollars or right around there to bring in new guys and more um, valuable role players. So, do you really want a Pettier and Hackenberg to take up a you know a, a Josh Martin maybe as an outside linebacker as a backup? Probably not. Or ho- See, I'm, I'm, hopefully I'm a backup. The, I'm the opposite. I think I think they should carry four again. If you're going to get a quarterback and you into still the regular one, season, let, let, let's say yeah, into the what? regular. Absolutely. Wow, really? If, oh, if you okay. if you get, if I don't agree. That that's fine. But if you take a quarterback in the first round and that guy busts. Uh, and Josh McCown gets himself hurt again, you know, who are you going to turn to? So, and, yeah, and, so, so an argument for three, but not four. Why would you carry four? You're going to have, you're gonna have two backup plans to the backup plan? Because it's the most important position in the NFL. I'd rather have a fourth quarterback than a seventh Why linebacker. Six. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but Glenn, we talked about it before, and this is kind of to, to Scott's point because somebody said that to me on Twitter too, actually, when I was reviewing the tape, and they said, wow, Petty's really, really bad. And really quick, I, I talked about it last week with Kyle. Yes. Petty would beat the crap out of any of us in trying to throw a football, and he's better than anybody we've ever seen. But we have, yeah, to, compare, so, we have to compare him relative to NFL players, and he's right, not a good NFL we're not, player. We're not talking about Sam. We're talking about the NFL. Right. Yes. Now with, now, with that point of how bad is Hackenberg, Glenn, me, you were there more practices than I was. This, this, right. I was there probably three, four, five, whatever I was at, because you know, I have some stuff to do, and you're, you're retired, and you have plenty of time, and you just have a <laughs> love for it, which I, w- I would love to be there every practice too. But we were there at the private practices when it was only you know, the media allowed, and um, Hackenberg is that bad. He, he is an awful quarterback. Hey, I don't know, yeah. How did he play in Division One school, Glenn? I, I, I don't even know, honestly. How did, he, how did he have a winning record at a major program? Uh, yeah, well, I don't the amazing thing, the amazing thing is, there were a lot of people that thought he wasn't even draftable coming out of Penn State. I talked to Mark Schofield, who studies quarterbacks extensively. That's his number one thing, really. He said he had Hackenberg rated somewhere between the 17th and 19th best quarterback in that class. How does that guy get drafted in the second round? It's amazing because even all right, look, 
Bryce Petty, a guy, again, you knew he had flaws. You knew that he was not ready to be a professional quarterback at that moment. You thought maybe two to three years down the road you could develop him into something. You draft him in the fourth round. All right, fine, you take a shot. But the second round, you can't draft a guy like that in the second round who's a complete reclamation project, who you say, all right, he's got the size and maybe he's got the arm, but – and he's a nice kid or something, but that's all he has. You can't pick a guy like that in the second round. You do that too many times, and you're never going to work in the NFL again. Well, two things with that. That's why when I hear people say, oh, the Jets should go after Josh Allen, I'm like, can they afford afford another project who completes 50% of his passes? That'll get you fired. I would lose lose it. The the thing with Hackenberg that, you know, obviously none of us will be able to find out, I can't help but wonder how – how he was, um, how Bill O'Brien described him, if, 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 that, if that ever came up in a conversation with McCagnan. Because, you know, they were at the same organization. They're looking, they're, they're looking at film. They're looking at players. And, of course, O'Brien had extensive work with Hackenberg. And he's a respected quarterback guy. You know, and maybe, maybe his judgment was clouded. Maybe, maybe he just bombed. Look, guys bomb. You know, I, I, as much sure. as I hear people, I, you know, I brought this point up a few times. And it's even more ridiculous now with all this talk about how the Broncos may take Josh Allen or another quarterback. At <laughs> please, every, please every, take every, Josh every, Allen. Yeah, but everyone tells me, like, you know, Mac's got to be fired because he missed on a quarterback. And I'm like, if you look at, you look at, uh, you know, Ozzie Newsome drafted, like, nine quarterbacks before he got a good one. John Elway, this might be When his, did he get a good one? When he got Flacco, who won him two Super Bowls. Uh, I, I guess that he won two Super Bowls? Yeah. Yeah, Flacco's got two Super Bowls. And if you look at his numbers in the postseason. Did, after- I, miss, did I miss one? Joe, can you correct me if I'm wrong here? Flacco won two What's Super Bowls. He, he won like the one in like 2012 or whatever it was. When was the other one? What, the, the- I, I thought, did he not win a second one? Am I wrong on no, that? He, he only, yeah, he only, no, he only won one. He only okay, won one. Ray Lewis honestly- last year. Even still, even if it's one, if you look at – I don't really like, think he's all that good. I think he's an average quarterback. But anyway, continue. But, but again, well, that's, he's had some average seasons. But if you look at, you know, his first one or two postseasons, he was terrible. But since that time, he's been a very good postseason quarterback. Should have been to another Super Bowl if, if uh, he didn't have a drop pass against the Pats in New England. But basically, sure. this, this is my point. Like, everyone's telling me Ozzie Newsom's the most brilliant GM in the NFL, but Mike McCagney should be fired because he missed on two quarterbacks – and Ozzie Newsome missed on nine, and John Elway's about to take his third quarterback in the top two rounds in five years, and he's another well, genius. Like, it's, well, not mad, it's not Madden. You don't just draft a quarterback and well, buy attributes, and he's awesome. Like, it's right, hard to do. Right. Otherwise, if, if, any coach, really. We talk about how, how quarterbacks are currency. If Bill Belichick was as good as, you know, as bright as everyone says, he would take three elite quarterbacks every draft. And just deal away first round picks. It ain't easy. And John Elway's a Hall of Fame quarterback, and he has a hard time identifying a good quarterback. What does that tell yeah. you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the toughest position. And Joe, exactly. you study film, so you know this better than most. It's the toughest position by far to figure out who's going to be good and who's going to be bad. There's so many guys that get drafted in the first round and bust. And there are occasionally guys that get picked in the mid-rounds like Kirk Cousins who end up being pretty good. I think the thing – yeah, Russell Wilson, exact Tom Brady, or even a guy like Tony Romo or or Kurt Warner who doesn't even get signed. Yeah, Romo's um, undrafted. Yeah, exactly. They didn't didn't even get drafted. I think the thing with this, with McCagnin is, yeah, Ozzie Newsome and John Elway missed on quarterbacks, and obviously you're going to miss on some. But they have – 
more leeway because of the fact that obviously John Elway, not only a legendary player, but a legendary executive as well. Now bringing a Super Bowl to the Broncos, being able to recruit Peyton Manning, which was huge. That, he that's was what I mean. Incredible. That's what I mean. He won a Super Bowl because Peyton Manning fell on his lap. Right, 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 right. But I'm saying so, the reason why McCagney. McCagney if, yeah, if yeah, Kirk I'm, Cousins falls on McCagney's lap this offseason, this time next year McCagney's going to be a genius. Oh, yeah. No, listen, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying the reason that McCagnan is getting all this crap, whereas Ozzy Newsom and John Elway don't, is because Elway and Newsom have track records. I mean, Newsom can point to his resume and say, I drafted this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. I know you guys do more of a film-intensive show, but you guys also know that as, you know, three drafts in, McCagnan's had kind of a shaky draft record. Now, don't get me wrong. Scott, you froze up a little bit. I don't know if. Yeah, he looks like he's muted. I don't know if it's because he's frozen. No, uh, no, he just. Oh. oh, he's frozen. Yeah, he's frozen. Um, but just, just in unmute. Oh, yeah. So he doesn't get as much leeway. Glenn, you are not Glenn. Scott, you were just muted for like the last couple of uh, seconds. 15, about know. fifteen seconds. It's uh. Okay, he he's muted again. We'll try to we'll try to get him. Okay. Oh, hold on. There he is. Okay, that now he's back. I'm I'm on my phone talking to you guys, so whenever somebody tries to call in, it mutes me, apparently. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Sorry about that, gentlemen. Yeah, you, you, you're um, only down for about 10, 15 seconds. Okay, so just to finish my point, all I was saying is that those guys have resumes that they can point to. With McCagnin, he's got a bit of a shaky draft record over the first three years. Now, to be fair – it's only been three years, so we don't know. Some of these guys may turn into something. Joe, I know that you're way more down on Brandon Shell than most people are, but if he turns into a, a solid right tackle, then that's a win in the McCagnin column because they picked him in the fifth round. I guess you could really say fourth round because they used the fourth rounder to move up and go get him. If, if Burris eventually turns into something, I don't think he will, but I'm just saying guys like that, it's a little early. You might have a chance for them to be decent. But so far, the returns are not looking great. So if people criticize him, it's because he hasn't had a lot of quality players come through yet. You've got Leonard Williams. You've got Jamal Adams. Both of those guys were picked sixth overall. If they don't come through for you or if you miss on both of those guys, you really don't belong as a general manager. And beyond that, I mean, Marcus May looks good. Like I said, maybe Brandon Shell turns into a decent right tackle. But there just aren't a lot of great draft picks or even good draft picks that he's had that we can track yet. Rob? He frozen again. Yeah, um, yeah, he, he froze again. Scott, I don't know if you can hear us. So I would try to just call back in. Um, but, yeah, it, I, th I, think, I think just in general terms, yeah, I, th I think McCagman has been shaky at the draft at best. And, and we've said that before, Glenn, too, where we, we agree with that. Where yeah, you have Robbie Anderson, and you know you have Jordan Jenkins, who's a he, I think he can be a solid strong side linebacker type of guy. Um, oh, there, there is Scott. You froze up again. I'm just gonna take it over. I know you're sorry about that. Sorry um, about that, but you get what I'm saying. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I was just saying it's he he's had a shaky draft record at best. Obviously, you have you know people blame Devin Smith. Devin Smith was injuries. He didn't have a lot of uh, injuries at Ohio State. Hackenberg, I think, is by far his worst move of, of his. Um, well, that and the Mo Wilkerson move, but Mo Wilkerson's kind of like looking back on it where everybody or a good amount of the fan base wanted him to sign Wilkerson. He didn't show any signs of really – I guess then again, he kind of did show signs of, yeah, of we, not – Yeah, we, we didn't know yeah, that. 
Yeah, so they know. So maybe that is a little bit more shaky. I think Hackenberg in terms of the draft and maybe just in general is probably his worst move. Um, so he's been shaky. You know, Robbie Anderson, Jordan Jenkins, you know, Brandon Schell, who I think maybe could maybe could be a, a okay right tackle. I don't personally think so. I'm, like, like Scott said, I'm not too high on him. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the best of Max move has been in free agency uh, and some trades and things like that. You look at Coney Ely and some of those guys that, he, that he's signed, but – I think, uh, you know, I, I think it all, it depends too on, on what your expectations are in the draft. You know, I've, I've read a lot of articles and a few books that I've read from executives and they kind of, they view it as if you can get three starters in a draft, you, you did all right. Like you're not going to go seven for seven. Like nobody goes seven for seven. Um, and of course, Mac didn't get, you know, the, the first draft was, uh, he got two guys in there who showed they could play in the league a little bit. Well, one that can did play damn well in Leonard Williams. Uh, we talked this year about how surprised we were that Deion Simon didn't make the roster. Um, I feel like if the Jets don't, if he doesn't hang around with the Jets, he can be a rotational guy, spot starter type player. You know, that's a sixth, seventh rounder. Um, as far as injuries go, you know, quite a few injuries to this year's to this year's cast. And we say all the time, you know, you got to give a draft class three years to do a fair evaluation. And as of right now, he's got one draft class that's got three years behind it. And uh, and it hasn't gone well. Malden's been injured and he wasn't very good last year. Deion Simon's a practice squad guy. Leonard Williams, obviously, is Leonard Williams. So you have three guys technically on the roster, but it looks like you only got one good player out of the group. But then the second year group looks better than the first year group. And the third year group looks better than the second year group. So this isn't a John Isaac situation where you're picking 19 guys. and You got one football player out of the group. No, and, and we'll get into his um, contract extension in a little bit. It's not like he's going to be here forever. The Jets can get rid of both of Bulls and McCagnan next year if they really wanted to. And that's why we've been kind of, we, uh, me and you, Glenn, I think in, in general, we've been just kind of okay with McCagnan. We don't think he's a superstar. We don't think he's terrible. We're kind of shaky on him. Let's see what he does in the next couple of years, how his draft picks develop. But yeah, yeah if, if, if he doesn't get a quarterback this year, you got to fire him. Like, that's yeah, why, yeah, that's yeah, why I, yeah. I've been saying, I've been saying yeah. all along, I've been, I, you know, yeah. I, I've been saying on the show all year, you know, people that get on me, oh, my God, I can't believe you're happy we won a game. You should be in for the tank. And I was like, I don't care if they win one game or nine games or seven games, and I don't care what it takes to make it happen. Mike McCadden's got to get a quarterback. So the way I root, yeah. the, the way I root, believe it or not, does not impact the team on the field. Right. I'm, I'm going to be happy when they win. And, if they, and I, you know, when they, when they got to the third win, everybody was flipping out. I was like, this isn't win number nine. It's win number three. They still might not win more than five or six. They ended up with five, and they're still in a fine position to make a move for a quarterback. And any, you know, I, I hear people that are so you still have, you literally still have people bawling and crying their eyes out over taking two safeties last year. And I'm like, both the guys can play, and right. and, and and these tired old jokes about oh, I wonder which safety he's going to take in the first round this year. These people, they're getting a quarterback, whether it's free agency or the draft. They are 1 million percent getting a quarterback. If they don't, McCagnin's got to be out on his ass. And, and I like the guy. I like him. But he's got to be fired. Glenn, if I could just agree with you there for a second, especially on the, on the safety and the quarterback thing, I was fine with them picking two safeties because they needed two safeties. And I know that people will say, well, you know, why would you pick two safeties? It's not that important a position. I mean, the fact is, if you looked at that roster going into the draft, it was a terrible roster. So they had needs everywhere. So the way I looked at it was talent is talent. Take who you think the best players are and roll with it. And it looks like those two guys are probably going to be the safety combo for, you would assume, you know, barring injuries or something for the next decade. So I'm okay with that. And to back up your other point, yeah, the quarterback thing is all that it has to happen. I mean, 
it begins and ends there. Period in the sentence right now. They got to get a quarterback. I was on the ESPN radio affiliate in Syracuse a week or two ago, and they asked me that. They said, what do the Jets need to do? I said, well, they need to do a bunch of things. But if they don't get a quarterback, none of the other things are really going to matter that much. And you're right. McCagnin, this is his shot. He's got $100 million in cap space. He's got three picks in the top 50 now because of that Seattle pick, which actually ended up being a lot better pick than we thought it much would be. Better, we, much we better. Much better. I thought Seattle that was going to be your 61, if not what, 60. What pick? Yeah. I, I haven't even looked at it exactly. What, what pick like, 49, number is it? 49. 49. Okay, yeah, so they good. got three picks to the top 49 picks. So, listen, this is another, for me, an argument in favor of Kirk Cousins, because if you get Cousins, now your biggest need by far is off the board. If you're at number six now, you can either draft a Bradley Chubb or you can trade out of that spot to a team that needs a quarterback and pick up a bunch of extra picks and add even more firepower. Now, the, the thing here is that McCagnin has no excuses anymore. He's got every oh, yeah. weapon at his nope. disposal. He's got $100 million, three picks in the top 49, He's got to deliver now. And like you said, Glenn, if he doesn't deliver, and that especially includes a quarterback, no it doesn't matter that he signed an extension. He's out of here. Not, yeah, and no we'll, we're going to get into Kirk Cousins in a little bit later because I know you guys are itching to get to that, um, which obviously we, we all agree on the Kirk Cousins. So there's not going to be too much argument here. But like I said, we'll get into our reasoning um, in a little bit. But, yeah, McCagman, a little bit, little bit shaky. Uh, Hackenberg, you know, people who say, oh, he's tied to him at the hip, I think that's, that's beyond foolish. It's a bad pick. He's not tied to Hackenberg. Yeah. He didn't take him number one or two. Uh, Petty was a flyer in the fourth round. He didn't, he's not yeah, a Petty, failed Petty, pick. It's, everybody, it's knew Petty was a, everybody knew Petty. Really, Hackenberg, too. You know, everybody said when they were taken, these guys are two- or three-year projects. Yeah. You don't, yeah, take, a, right. you don't take a three-year project and then fire him in year two and a half or three because he's not ready yet. Yeah, well, but Hackenberg, we don't know. He's not going to be ready. Hackenberg is a terrible quarterback. I'm not sure. He's not. He's probably not going to be in the NFL in two years. Honestly, he's that bad. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I agree. Because regardless of you know he can develop two year project, you you want to see him at least develop something. Like we went to practice and he can't. He if we're playing catch like me, you and Scott are in a triangle at freaking a Jets <laughs> game from ten yards away from one another. He's like bouncing every other pass. Like he's that bad. Um. But we'll move Here's on. a nice kid, though, you know. <laughs> that that I don't care. He could be an asshole. Like, Baker Mayfield might be an asshole, but if he's leading the Jets no, to the playoffs. I know. I'm, uh, I'm just joking because no, you no, know how many reports we heard about what a nice guy he is. Yeah, nice nice smile, you know, big, big, tall, good-looking white kid. Yeah, he's, he's going to be a great quarterback, but he sucks. Um, yeah. So, it's – and in terms of the quarterback thing, really quick with McCagman, yeah, if he doesn't walk out of free agency with at minimum – um Kirk Cousins maybe a Tyrod Taylor where you guys stand on him I know you guys both like him and we'd be we'd be okay with that and maybe draft a quarterback in the first or second round as well maybe you know maybe an Alex Smith um well that's we're not going to talk about that all now but regardless like you said Glenn he's 31 years old and is still pretty solid quarterback so but we'll see if he doesn't yeah if he doesn't walk out at least is he is he 34 yeah pretty sure he's 34 I think he's like 31 or 32 I'll look it up Go ahead, keep talking. I think I think he's thirty-one or thirty-two. Um, but regardless, you don't walk if you don't walk out with either either a first-round quarterback who has a lot of hope, or a bigger-time free agent quarterback who's going to cost a decent amount of money. It's it's a it's a failed offseason, and he's probably going to be fired because if you walk into next year with Josh McCown and a and a third-round rookie, it's it's just not going to work out. Um, yeah, Alex, Alex Smith actually is thirty-three, so he'll probably be thirty-four next season. That's what okay. So thought. yes, I thought, I thought he was like thirty, thirty-one. Yeah, so that so that so I'm gonna cancel out Alex Smith then. I don't I don't want Alex Smith. Um, but regardless, yeah. I, I want a guy who's you know 
Kirk Cousins is 29. Tyler Taylor is an old either. So if you walk out with one of those guys, you know, Kirk Cousins or Tyrod or Mayfield or, you know, if you like Jackson or Rosen or whoever it may you be, know, I'm fine with that. But um, You know what, Joe, with Alex Smith, that, that is discouraging that he's 33. But if he's 33 and you can get him to sign a three-year deal and take a quarterback in the first round, I'd be fine with that. that yeah, that, you're going to have to yeah. trade for him, though. Right, exactly. It's going to depend on, you know, are the Chiefs going to be realistic if they're looking to move him? Because you yeah. can't give much – you know, part of me thought – and, again, this is when I, I thought he was 30-31. I would have given up a couple second rounders to get him because I thought he gives you six years, seven years. But at 33, he'd give you three, four years. That's not worth it. Yeah, no, if you if you draft the quarterback in the first or second, you want him to, the you know, to start for a year or two and develop them behind him, then maybe I could see that. But let's let's move on. I'm not, I don't want to talk about quarterbacks for an hour. Um, number, uh, number one, um, dud for me is, is the offensive line. I'm bringing up a couple plays because we, like I said, we have three people and we are, um, I kind of do want to move this fast right on be as film centric as the, um, last show, because like I said, we're talking about some more topics, but this is just another play, just terrible. This is an inside zone running play inside split actually, or inside zone split. Sorry. Um, and Wesley Johnson, just absolutely no awareness. Like we've said before, Glenn, how does he expect Dozier to get leverage on this um, one technique? He's not going to be able to, especially when the run is going to the left. Um, so Wesley Johnson just leaves Dozier on an island, and then uh, 93 makes a tackle. Where, uh, what is that? That's um, McGuire. Sorry, McGuire you know, takes like a loss of whatever it is, four or five yards. But it's because Wesley Johnson has no awareness to help um, Dozier on the combo block. So that's just a bad play from the offensive line where the running back has absolutely no chance. Um, Poor Dakota Dozier. No, Dozier has been playing not too well either, Glenn. I know you're a big Dozier guy, but he does he, he, he looks pretty bad. He, he was bad this week. He really was. It, it, yeah. Um, is this the same? This is a, Oh, this is another – this is another zone running play, and this is this is Wesley Johnson again. And this is where you could say, okay, well, you know, he doesn't help the offensive line in their rankings and et cetera. Um, this is just more on him. This this is this isn't you know James Carpenter or anything like that. But here, just another zone running play. He's he's trying to help um, Carpenter get leverage on number ninety four, who is the two technique, and he comes off the combo block way too late. And look, hey, look, a linebacker runs right into the backfield and then uh, tackles. I think that's is is it Powell? Yeah, Powell in the backfield. So. And the, the number of Jet fans I've heard this year say our running backs suck. I'm like, really? Like, the, the running backs are the problem? Look at this. <laughs> like, what is, what, what, is, what is Powell supposed to do here? Oh, my God. He didn't even score a touchdown on this play. He sucks. Like, these, <laughs> like these, these running back, these offensive linemen have, have inside leverage on the um, defensive linemen and the linebackers like they're supposed to have because Powell is supposed to cut through this gap. I'm not sure what the, what the gap is. It's the A, B, the B gap. But he has no chance to cut through the B gap because Wesley Johnson has no awareness and lets the linebacker shoot through the backside A gap into um, the backfield. So it's just yeah. so, so beyond um, bad. But uh, Scott, any thoughts while I pull up the next one and we'll move on to some other topics? I think no. Paul Powell is, is pretty good. Uh, and he showed it again when he gets opportunities. I don't think that he's the Le'Veon Bell. Uh, you know, 25, 30 carry a game guy. But I think in spurts, he's shown that he can be a solid weapon. Uh, I think he's one of the better offensive players on the team when given opportunities. I thought he was underused again a lot this year. Look at that hold. Yeah, and this is another one too. I think I, I forget what the, I think this was a spacing concept, which is usually just a, a flat route from the running back or the Y. 
and then two hitch routes or snag routes. Um, Wesley, this, John, Wesley Johnson says this is a clothesline concept. Yeah, no, watch. And he, he holds him, which is, which is bad. It's not even called in that play, which he did that like three or four times this game. It wasn't called. But look at Ajalana. And I'll, I'll give – I will defend Petty here. Nobody was open here at all. I, yeah, that's um, what I was just about to say with the offensive line, as I was, I was saying with Powell. The offensive line, I think, is a, bigger, a big reason why Powell and uh, Elijah McGuire didn't do better this year. Forte, not so much. I, I'm not going to blame them for Petty, but, you know, McCown, the fact that he was able to stand upright for 13 games is kind of a yeah. miracle. Like this on Ajalana, like, like I, I understand that they play the extended, you can't block a guy forever, but he, he's not even chopping his feet. He just pushes them away. How about you, you block until you hear the whistle? Like, you don't get yeah. a lot of opportunities. You're a backup. You think you want to put some good um, film sure. out there for a contract, and you stop freaking blocking. Like, like what is yeah. it? So this is not Petty's fault at all. Um, maybe maybe he shouldn't have scrambled out as far to the right. Maybe he could have stepped up um, right here. But <laughs> I'm not I'm not killing him for this. This is just Wesley Johnson being a terrible, probably the worst center starting center in the NFL. Um, and Ajalon just stopped blocking. So safety there. So the offensive line this year just it, it it's abysmal. It is. I think Ajalon is going to get cut. I think I I, w- I was so happy, not in a bad way. I was so happy to hear that Brian Winters has been playing with a torn abdomen. Because how many times, Joe, on the show have I said that, like, there is no reasonable explanation as to why Brian Winters just forgot how to play football. Like, he was, he was good last year. He wasn't great, but he was plenty good. He was, a guy, he was above average, in my opinion. Um, and he was a guy you could, you could do just fine with at right guard. And this year he was so bad, and I kept saying it. Like, you don't forget. It's not like he's 32 and you're like, oh, he, he, hit, the, he hit a brick wall at his age and now he doesn't have it anymore. He's, you know, he's in year five, and he just was so bad that when they said he had the torn abdomen, I said, well, that that explains it. Right. Because, you know, you know, having a torn abdominal muscle and trying to push around 300-pound people um, who are trying very hard not to be pushed around, it, it's gonna you're going to look a lot like Brian Winters. So yeah. to na- now I look at it like – and to, to go back earlier with the James Carpenter thing, um, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Joe and I have said a million times on this show this year that, look – for the most part, I mean, the guards have been bad at times regardless, but we have said largely you have to consider how bad the center is. And I know you mentioned that earlier. Sure. We've said many times how much of this is that is because the guards are thinking in the back of their mind, I'm responsible for my guy, but I got to keep half on Wesley's guy too because he's going to get beat. Um, so I wouldn't have an issue with bringing Carpenter back, um, but uh, they've been so bad. We've said a million times what the hell is going on here. Um, so to hear that Winters was playing with a serious injury was yeah. like, all right, that's, but, but, but the bad, the, the, now here's the, the bad part of it. Why the hell was he playing? Especially, especially when they were eliminated, especially when you knew your season was over and it took, you know, it, when, when did he go on IR week 15 and he, right. tore, he tore an abdominal muscle on week two. It's a good question. I mean, it, it, like you said, to, to get back to your point, and the reason that I brought up Bilal Powell during an offensive line discussion and, and I was saying that I think he's pretty good and I think McGuire is capable of making plays, the offensive line's gotten zero push this year. And in this particular game, they weren't doing a good job of protecting the quarterback. But I think that they were even worse in the run blocking in a lot of these games. And that's what I was getting at with Powell. I think that he could have been an even bigger weapon. He produced when he was given the opportunities. But, man, it's tough behind that offensive line when the two guards are playing so poorly, when you have the worst during the league. Beecham was okay, I guess, and Shell was kind of up and down. I know 
that Joe, you're not a big fan of his, but I thought he had at least some moments. But overall, the offensive line really could use some help. I think that if the right possibility comes up, either at guard or tackle, maybe you take a look at bringing in different starters. Obviously, they have to bring in a better player at center. And this kind of reminds me a little bit in a a different way. Glenn, you may remember this. In 2008, uh, Tannenbaum went out. And he spent a lot of money to fix up that offensive line. He went and paid Damian Woody and Alan Fanica. And that was because the offensive line in 2007 really suffered. And it looked like the Brickishaw Ferguson took a step back from his rookie season. And in part, it was because he seemed to be trying to compensate for the poor play of the other guys on that offensive line. So with Fanica and Damian Woody in tow, he seemed to improve his play back to around where he was his rookie year. And so maybe we see that with Winters and Carpenter. If they get a better center, maybe they draft Billy Price or they sign Ryan Jensen or somebody like that. Maybe those guys start to play a little bit better, more along the lines of what we were accustomed to last year. But, I mean, there's no way to know until they improve that center position. But like I said, I think guys like Bilal Powell really suffered for the bulk of the year. We didn't really get to see what Elijah McGuire could do. Uh, and, And I think that the offensive line is a big part of the reason why the running game was a non-factor for the vast majority of the right. season. It is the reason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, okay. You and, can and, just and, come right out and say it then. Yeah. And, 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 how, and how many times do we, how many times do we say, Joe, it was, that, that was one of the most disappointing things because as bad as this team was supposed to be, obviously they were much better. And this is despite the fact that Winters and Carpenter, two guys who were considered the strength of this offensive unit. Yeah. They were, it was like, well, at least we have these guys and we can have a strong run game up the middle. The teams will have to respect. And that just went completely to, you know, down the, uh, down the tubes. And, and you still had a functional offense, which functional shouldn't be the goal. But when the expectations are disaster, functional yep. doesn't look so bad. And then you start to go, can we go from functional to very good and, you know, go from there. But that, that's what made the season so disappointing is that those, those games where they blew those late leads, a huge reason for that is because they couldn't run the clock out. You can't, you can't run the ball when you're up by two touchdowns if you know that it means you're going to be facing a third and 11. So Yeah, and, and I'm about to be all over the place because you guys just made a, a crap load of points that I can't, like, mentally, <laughs> mentally make a checklist and just go through it. Um, We're old. Our minds wander. Yeah, now, now the, yeah, um, the offensive – the offensive line, in terms of like just everybody, the it's yeah, like you said, Glenn. We've talked about it many times. It's hard to either for a young quarterback or a thirty-eight-year-old in McCown um, to have to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game to win, and you can't run the ball to to um, either you know second and three, you can't run the ball, and you're putting in McCown in a third and four, third and five all the time, where they literally can't gain a yard at times in, in these games. Where yeah, you'll see a couple of good plays, but. Um, majority they were terrible now in terms of the offensive line in in three to in in next three four years I'm expecting a completely new offensive line I think Beecham has been far away the best um, player on this offensive line I think if you watch the film you 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 would not be able to disagree at all he's not great but he's solid yeah he's okay yeah and that's the point that's the point I've made with people I've seen people upset I'm like they they for the money they paid him he is like the 18th highest paid left tackle he's paid as a middle of the road guy and he plays like a middle of the road guy I'm not going to get upset was 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 my uh, rank in the top twenty five? Was I so far off with Beecham where you and Kyle Smith got on me? Or uh... um, I can't remember now. I I all oh I remember, oh no. All I, all uh-huh. I remember saying is that I was not as high. 
I didn't say he sucked. I just, weird, I, weird that you forget at this moment. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, I guarantee because I remember watching the film and I, I remember exactly what I said. Um, I said that a couple of years ago when they tried to sign him, I hadn't watched a lot of film on him. It was based on what I read and I was, I really wanted him. Um, but once they signed him and I went back and watched the film, I came back and I said, he's okay. He's not, he's not, I thought he was great based on what I was reading. But I, I didn't dislike the signing. But I basically went from like really wanted the guy to like okay, I'm happy with yeah. him. And that's how that's how I'm coming out of this. You're like he wasn't great, but he was good, and he yeah. he got paid to be good. And you see people rip him. Oh my God, we paid eleven million for this. He's a left tackle for an okay left tackle. You pay eleven million a year. That's the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think he's been the best now. Is that saying he's good? No, I think he's been all right. Um, now, in terms of, like, like you said before, going to the lack of the running game, you have to lean on a young quarterback or a bad quarterback for a lot of the year. And this is why people who say, yeah, John Morton can go. He's a bad offensive coordinator. You, are, you could not be more wrong. For some of these games, like putting up 31 points against the Panthers and, th- and you know, even if the Chiefs were struggling on defense, 38 points against the Chiefs and, you know, multiple games, 37 points against the Bills. Um, he's, he's done far and away better than I thought he would do with this offense where, yeah, he might be 26th ranked overall offense but this is an offense that we thought was going to be number one or two last in the league maybe maybe not historically bad um but really bad we're like okay we'd be surprised if they put up a couple of games with plus 24 points where they're putting up games with multiple games you know three four games of plus 30 or close to 30 so that's why i think morton deserves so much credit now like i said i think the offensive line is gonna be completely newer it should be in three four years beecham's okay and i know that people like and i'm not saying that there is no validity to the argument that um yeah it's it's be there is really to the argument that, yes, um, Wesley Johnson does not help Carpenter and Brian Winters, and that's 100% true. But to blame it all on, on Wesley Johnson is very uh, – it's just not true because I, I would say maybe 10, 15, 20% of it's on him where he doesn't help him on a combo block or he's not blocking his zone, whatever it may be, where it looks like they messed up but they really didn't. But still, Glenn, how many times on this show just in the last couple of weeks have we pulled up film where they're missing blocks on linebackers? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, up. I, so, like so. I said, it's not it's not 100% on Wesley Johnson. But you, like I said, the main thing to me is that when I look at how good these guys were before and now what's the big – the main it's, difference is Wesley Johnson. It's a, it's, a, so. it's a small portion. I think James Carpenter, he wasn't that good of a player in Seattle. I think he had two good years. Now he's kind of falling back to the means where I think where, yeah, if he does have a um, – uh, where you know if he he can come back and have oh well Scott Scott has to go Scott's gonna maybe come back for um a little bit but Scott just call back in and we'll and we'll see you, um, but yeah, so I think I think a smaller portion of it falls on Wesley Johnson like I said it's hard to put it into percentiles maybe fifteen to twenty percent maybe one fifth of their bad play but they're they're making really bad plays themselves where Carpenter I think is falling back to the means and like you said Glenn when you saw that torn abdominal abdominal thing with winters yeah like you're like oh okay so that's maybe why he's playing so bad i'm not happy that he had it but i'm happy that's like maybe a reason why now it's an explanation now last year i'm not gonna i'm, I'm not gonna say he was a very solid guard I, I think you might be a little bit higher I, I would say he's average guard which is fine an average guard you can get by with an average guard um and most of his most of his ability was in run blocking where he plow a guy over now when yeah. you have a torment abdominal you can't plow a 300 pound guy over like you said now in pass blocking game you're going to see some problems with him where he, he, he fails to pick up a guy on a blitz or a stun or whatever it may be so he's not the smartest most technically but, sound player in the world but, but i think you see that with a lot of teams where the you know the right guard is the guy who's better at run blocking and the left guard is the guy who's better at pass blocking and it's just of course you want a guy who's great at both but 
he's you know again he's a guy you live with I think I think it's fair to say that the right guard on most teams is more of the powerful guy um, who can bulldoze people over because teams tend to have their strong side be the right side. You run to the strong side, which is a tight end, which is usually on the right side. I'm not saying it's always on the right side. And some teams may do it more to the left side, but general basis is predominantly. Predominantly, it is the it is the right side. So you want the right guard to be more of the power, big, bulky guy, um, where the left guard, which doesn't really fit with the Jets because Carpenter is bigger, <laughs> but you want the left guard to be more of the athletic guy who could pass block and pull because usually you see on power teams the left guard pulls more than the right guard. So, um, but regardless, yeah, it's it's hard to for a guy who was known as a let's say an average um, right guard, and the reason he was average because was because of his run blocking and his ability to you know, move guys, you can't, it's hard to move guys with a torn abdominal muscle. So um, I, I agree with that. That Carpenter, I mean, Winters is a guy who's going to be here next year anyway, because I think he has like seven and a half million dollars yeah, guaranteed. So he's, he just signed his deal. So he's like an $11 million hit if they come. He's here. Beecham yeah. is here because his contract is basically yeah. guaranteed. Carpenter, yeah. now you have to ask yourself, Carpenter, I think he's only, he's like $2.1 million in dead money. So you have to ask yourself, is, is Carpenter, um, worth keeping around for like $4.7 million. That's his cap hit or somewhere right around that next year. Or oh, that's what you'd save. So I think $4.7 million is worth it. So I think you're going to bring in competition for uh, the right tackle spot in Shell. Because I, like I said, I don't necessarily think he's going to be a long-term right tackle from what I've seen, just athletic traits. And Wesley Johnson has to be gone. So I think at least you're, you're looking at a, a new starter, maybe, maybe two with the right tackle and then a developmental guy at left guard or left tackle. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, Glenn, moving on because we have to get to the studs because we didn't even get to him yet and we're like an hour or something into the show. Um, give me your number three, Dud. Or sorry, stud. Number three, your number three stud, sorry. Yeah, uh, my number three stud is going to be Demario Davis. I feel like he had another solid game. Uh, really nice year for him. I think they got to get him re-signed. I think that's pretty much the universal feeling. You know, for a, a, an inside linebacker who played at the level he played, you're probably looking around $7 million a year which is, you know, something this team can absorb at the moment with the, given the amount of cap space they have. High character guy, high performing guy, finally. Uh, and really, I think I said last week, every time I think of the fact they got this guy for Calvin Pryor, I laugh. Yeah. Um, just, a, just a great trade. They got, you know, they, uh, they turned uh, trash into treasure. And, um, and this is a guy you got to keep around. He's my number three. I think he had 11 tackles. Yeah, um, I'll talk about him a little bit because he's actually my number two, so I'll just go through my number three first, um, and I'll get to him just right after. Um, this year, yeah, he was, a, he was a very solid inside linebacker this year. Above average, played very well. Now, does that mean that he's going to stay at that level and not regress back to what he was? Um, no, not necessarily. But for Calvin Pryor, for one year of that production is, is well worth it. So, um, yeah, he, he, was, he, was very, he was very good this, this year, and even this game. The only reason he was my number two instead of my number um, – I don't know why people keep calling me today. It's weird. Um, sorry. I mean, like, there's like a podcast. You ever listen to the um, the Bill Burr podcast? I don't, but I should because I've been watching all of his specials on Netflix. I love Bill Burr. He's really funny. Like, he'll answer the middle of the show. Like, oh, man, I'm doing my, you know, effing podcast. Like, call me back. <laughs> He's, maybe I should just do that. Man. What the hell you want? It's probably telemarketing. I, 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 I love him. Um, but the, the last couple of weeks have been a lot of Bill Burr and Joe Rogan. Yeah. Um, yeah, some people don't like him, and like he'll bash like Christian, uh, you know, Christians and stuff like that. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm or Catholics, I'm Catholic, so like, you know, you just can't take all that stuff to heart. You're not, oh my God, he doesn't like Catholics. So I'm gonna stop listening to him. You have to be kinda... uh, don't don't get me off on a on a rant, a non-football rant, but I am so sick and tired of people treating comedians like they're politicians. Like they go up there and tell a joke. Oh my God, I can't believe he said that. He's a freaking comedian. Go back and listen to George Carlin and Richard Pryor. And Eddie Murphy, you know what I mean? Like they're jokes. We everyone's uh, it's, it's, 
joke right now. You say something about there's like legitimate comedians who will no longer do shows at college campuses because all these crybabies need counseling after somebody hurts their feelings. It's a joke. Yeah, people are uh, looking for ways to get offended nowadays in America. It's, it's pretty. Joke. It's pretty sad. But let's not get into that because I don't want to lose uh, followers. Joe, Joe. The word sad offends me, so please don't use that again. <laughs> I don't care. Um, I, I have a counselor on standby. But, yeah, so so um, I'm trying to think now. You just got me completely off. Um, sorry, sorry. I just, I, I no, know. dude, trust me. I tr- Trust me. A lot of things frustrate me I'm not going to talk about. We've talked about some things like that on the show, and we lost a follower or two because of it, which I don't, really don't care too much because we have plenty. But uh, yeah, yeah, people, are, people are soft. We, we've talked about this a lot. America is soft. I'm sorry. Um, but – Let's go to yeah. So my number three, um, dud of this game is actually Neil Sterling, who I think is going to be back here next year. It's not a crazy game, but there really wasn't too many studs from a six to twenty-six type of game. So I put him. I gave him my number three. Thought it was worth shouting him out. Um, five receptions, seventy-four yards, and on this play, um, I'm not sharing the screen yet. I caught myself. This is just a tosser concept. We're like I talked about a lot with Kyle last week, where people have different um terminology, terminology. Ter- yeah okay so yeah you listen so terminology for the things people call so if these if these two outside receivers just two receivers to the you know twin set whatever it may be if, if two guys just run two slants people call that tosser concept i just call that dual slants where a tosser concept to me is is two is two slants from the outside guys and then you have a flat route underneath um some people call that whatever they want to call it but i, I don't call a tosser concept two slants I, it's two it's two slants with a flat route under it um, this is nothing. And I, and I, I, live, I live in England, so I won't call it a tosser concept. Why is there? What is? What does that mean in? in well, we'll we'll talk offline about what a tosser is in England, Joe. Okay, I I still got to tell you what a what goading somebody is. I think too. So we'll talk after the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, tosser concepts. Like I said, that's what that's what I call it. Uh, a lot of people do. Some people, I don't know what they necessarily call this, but maybe maybe just a a tosser concept with a with a flat or tosser flat concept, whatever. Um, but you, you see Robbie Anderson in the slot right there. He, you know, little pick route, which is, you know, it's a slant, but he's meant to run into the, uh, linebacker defensive back who is on Sterling. Sterling catches it and runs for, what is it? 25 yards or whatever. So nice play from Sterling. Nice, nice yak. Um, nothing too crazy. Just, I thought I would bring up a play. And this is another one that I'm going to bring up where we talk about Petty and yeah, he'll make some NFL throws and you know, he's an NFL quarterback. So yeah, he's going to, and this is a really nice play, really nice um, ability to anticipate a window and the Patriots are in cover three here and you see Petty anticipate this window between the linebackers and the hook zone throws it in between. Um, so he has to be able to anticipate windows and then throw it through that tight window, which he does. Neil Sterling runs the deep uh, dig route, catches it and then runs for an extra 10, 15, you know, 19, 18 yards. So, Another nice play from Sterling to get open there versus the zone. Really, really nice play from Petty, though, too, on this one. So I, th- I just thought I would bring him up. Yeah, absolutely. Rightfully so. Um, I, I, he, had a, he had a really nice game. And uh, I'm going to go and say uh, my number two. And I, actually, I'm going to say my number two, and then I got a question for you or a comment, whatever you want to say. But um, uh, Jamal Adams, right? He's my number two. He had a great game. Uh, I thought he, uh, he, you know, provided really good coverage. And, um, he, you know, I, I thought he played well. Look at his rating on PFF. They had him rated really high. Uh, good game for him. You know, spent some time on Gronk, spent some time in the front seven where he spent most of his time. So I, I gave him some credit for that. Uh, a strong finish for him. And I think, uh, I think again, it, it, <clears throat> I feel like we say it too much, but I, only because so many people rely so heavily on PFF. It, to me, it's a guide. You know, it gives you kind of an idea how a guy's playing. 
And he's one of the few Jets players uh, got uh, what they rated him on the season. I think he finished like 81, 82, so like an above average starter. Um, and, you know, just a, a really good rookie season for him and a strong finish in the final game. He's my number two. Okay. Um, <laughs> I learned what a tosser con- or a tosser is, so uh, yeah, so, that's funny. So now every time you say tosser concept. I'm still going to say because I don't know any other terminology for it. I don't want to just abandon what I know. Um, but, yeah, so let's let's see. Uh, you, you just said Adams was your number two, right? Yeah, yeah, Jamal. Okay, so I'm just going to go with my number two then, Demario Davis, because Adams is actually my one. Um, Demario Davis, 11 tackles, eight solo uh, tackles. I'm just going to bring up a couple of plays from Davis. Like I said, I'm not going to make it too much film-centric. We're going to explain every single thing. Um, on the screen like last week because we don't have as much time as we do last week because we I well, I have stuff to do. Um, See, the one time, Joe, we're doing the show early. I got time to stay on. My wife is sick. She's just she just needs to be unconscious in bed with a cold. I'm I'm, I'm here as long as you need me. Okay, well maybe we'll see. And and, and and Joe's like, oh, I gotta go drink beer. Be like me and have beer in your house. You know, call a cab. See what I'm saying. Yeah, unfortunately, I have to drive, you know, an hour to go to my girlfriend's friend's, um, you know, engagement party. And we're going out to Hoboken. So, oh, uh, yeah, you said that engagement party. Yeah. yeah so, so. congratulations. Yeah, whatever. Um, so this is just a this is just a power a, a power concept, and uh, Davis just sips. I'm not gonna, like I said, I'm not going to spend too much time. I'll explain it very simply. A B C. He sh- shoots through the A B C D gap, um, and makes a tackle. Sips through it. Doesn't get. Um, distract or anything like that and makes the tackle. So really nice play from Davis there. Uh, bring up another one. And yeah, like you said, I think, I think Davis is in that like $6 million range. We'll, we'll see where he, where he um, falls, but even if it's like seven and a half, $7 million, I'm fine with signing him for that because the Jets really don't have, it's not like Lee took steps in the right direction. We're like, okay, we can just get another, um, another linebacker could be fine. Like you need, you gotta have some continuity. You can't just expect. We'll just go ahead and replace everybody. Like, they, yeah. you, you don't have a ton of talent on this roster. You don't have enough. You don't have enough talent to let guys walk when you've got a hundred million dollars in cap space. And that number keeps changing. It's like 80, 90, 100, 80. It just changes day to day. But basically, you know, cutting Mo Wilkerson and you know the NFLPA uh, estimate is that the salary cap's going to go up by ten million this year. So uh, that's what kind of makes you say they're probably going to be closer to a hundred million. So, yeah. And I, I saw a website the other day, uh sport track. I don't, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of them. And I'm only mentioning this because of the DeMario contract. Um, I don't know where they get their info, but I get the, I get, I get the feeling they, and I could be wrong. I'm not saying I know this. I don't want anybody to give me a hard time, but I think they get their data from over the cap and they don't give over the cap credit. I could be wrong, but over the cap to me is like the, the granddaddy. Um, and I'm not sure if Over the Cap does this, but I looked the other day. I was looking at uh, Sport Track. They did a good job of listing pending free agents. And they had a thing. Demario Davis was the only one that had one. They give you like an estimated market value for that position and that performance. Um, and they didn't have one for everyone, but for him it said 7.9. Um, I kind of felt like seven, but I mean, if it's eight, it's not the end of the world when you got 100 yeah. million in space. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what he gets, but I'd be shocked. Yeah, he's a leader on this team too, and and this is just another. It's the power running play with the fake jet sweep in it, and he um, attacks the A B the C gap, and here like early in the year too, or even earlier in his career, like he'll he'll get absorbed into this pulling um, right guard and get blocked out of this play or take the angle too far outside because of the jet sweep, whatever it may be, and here he just gets low. He takes on the um, pulling guard with his outside shoulder, um, gets, gets off the, the block and makes a tackle. Yeah, yep. so. 
Really, really inside shoulder spins up to the outside and makes the tackle. It's a really nice play. Yeah, it's it's not easy to get past the pulling right guard and still make the tackle a solo tackle on, on on the same play. And he did that on that play. And we've been seeing that a lot this year. And this is the last play I'm going to bring up of him. Um, I label it as an inside zone. Let's just see if I'm. Yeah, it's an inside zone. So what I do is I'll watch it quickly, then label it, and then I'll go watch it again before I put it up. But yeah, this is this is an inside zone, and this is just another example of him sifting through traffic. He takes it. He, he takes advantage of the um, center coming off the combo block late. He shoots the backside a gap and makes the tackle when uh, number thirty-eight um, tries to cut it back up upfield. So, like I said, nice. He, this is kind of more of a, a play where you're taking advantage of a bad center who came off the combo block late, um, kind of like what we saw from Wesley Johnson, but still takes advantage of it and makes the tackle in the backfield. So. Um, really, really good year and, and another good game for Demario Davis. And that, he was my number two. And the only reason he was my number two is because he later in the game he was on man on the running back. I think it, it was Deion Lewis, and Deion Lewis ran into the flat. And Demario Davis was a little bit slow to recognize it. He didn't have great uh, leverage on Lewis, and he let up a touchdown. So that's why he's my number two. Uh, Glenn, who is your number one? My number one, Joe, is your number three. I'm going to show Neil Sterling a little bit of love. Here's a guy who signed uh, Jacksonville, let him go. Jets picked him up. He just kind of hung out on the roster for a while. He started seeing some reps as a blocker, uh, kind of an H-back type role, which is pretty impressive because like Quincy Nunwell, he's a former receiver. Uh, he played wide receiver. He's a, he's a Jersey guy. And uh, as we saw this year, I think he had two cat, one or two catches coming into the game, wasn't targeted very often. But he's a guy, you know, because of the fact that he hasn't, he hasn't seen a lot of action in the pros – and he played at a very small school that escapes me at the moment. He played in Jersey, I think. I forget now. But um, I kind of thought, as a converted receiver, this guy must have some athletic skills at tight end where he can make a play if you get on the ball. Um, and sure enough, they targeted him a little bit. He had himself a big game. He had, I, I, think his, I think he had a cat, what, 40-some yards? That's, uh, that, that's bigger than uh, – that, that's a bigger catch than, than we've seen from Austin Safari and Jenkins, if I can recall correctly. So, yeah, uh, Glenna. Uh, so you got so. to give him a little bit of credit. And, and, <laughs> And it's one of those things where it makes you wonder, like, how how much of a contribution could this guy have made if they would have featured him a little bit earlier in the season? It didn't happen. I think he solidified himself a, a spot in, uh, in training camp next year, Joe. Yeah, so, Glenn, um, inform yourself on what a, a goading is, somebody, because I just sent it to you. I'm, not, I'm never going to say that online, but that's, that's, that's what I was talking about. I forget, I forget when we uh, talked about that <laughs> um, or when I brought that up. But, yeah, that would be, that'd be terrible to do some, to somebody. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, number one, that's, that's fine with me. Adams was actually my number one. I think he bounced back um, pretty strongly this game. And Pro Football Focus, I came out with, with their, like, top-graded Jets of this season. This is why I don't, I don't really – um, credited them too much and they, they had like Wilkerson as a number five which is be, beyond stupid so I don't know who watches their film and gives out grades for for the Jets season and, and, and you but, know what else another thing about PFF I was going to mention this to you and again I don't I don't want to trash them and I don't want to love them but <clears throat> if you follow them throughout the season I have a membership you know you're not supposed to it's in the terms of conditions if you have a membership you can't do something like this and announce the grades to everyone because then why would anybody pay so I don't do that. If I talk about grades, I'll talk about stuff that they publish publicly that you can like you can get a player's regular grade. If you just Google like Dakota Dozier PFF, it'll show you his grade. That's it. It won't give you the detailed stuff. Um, but one thing that jumped out at me, most of the season, Marcus May has been like in the the low 70s, like which isn't terrible. He's, it's like a starter. You're a starter. 71, 72. And then I was looking today, I was like, oh, let's let's look at the season for the final grade. You know, they should have been put up a day or two ago. You know, Marcus May had a 48. And that's like a bum. That's a scrub. 
That's like that's like worse than Marcus Gilchrist. I'm like, I'm sure I looked at him a couple weeks ago and he was a 72 or a 73. How did he go in two weeks, 14 yeah. weeks of work of being a 73, and in two weeks or three weeks, whatever, you go to a 48? Yeah, they don't, don't they don't have much consistency, Glenn, because I don't, like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I, I don't maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he no. played. You're not. Atrociously? There's... No. But, I mean, clearly, you know, tracking through the first 12, 13 weeks, they were kind of on par because you would talk – we would talk about it. We'd watch the film and say, he did a good job, did a good job. Not superstar, yeah. but average above average. So you'd expect him to be somewhere in the high 60s to mid 70s, and that's yeah. where he was all year. And now the season's over. I looked at he's 48. <laughs> I was like, I think Joe could be a 48. What's going on here? Um they don't see that's that's my problem with them too is that sometimes they have sketchy rankings and another like like so like let's just say like for example like they'll put out Jets grades and Jamal Adams will be an 82 right and then like for whatever reason they'll put out the the top safeties of 2017 and there will be a guy there'll be top five and there will be two guys at number four and five who are below an 82 and Jamal Adams isn't in that list so I'm like if he's an 82 why is he not in that list for the rookie it, it, so it, like. It, it, one thing I do know, it may depend on when you're looking at it, because I know I, I remember the game. I found this out a couple of years ago. This is when I, I researched a little bit on their 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 methods because um, there was that game of uh, remember that game the Jets lost against the Vikings when Jets run cover zero on the final play of the game yeah. and the, the Vikings receiver went like 90 yards along the right sideline and Sheldon Richardson, if you remember, that may have been his best game as a pro. He was a monster. He had multiple sacks. He was just killing guys. And I looked at the that game too, right on on yeah, Twitter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I looked at the grades after the game, and he was like, "Yeah, he had like an okay grade. Like three guys were rated higher than him." And I was like, "This doesn't make any damn sense." Yeah. And I, and I looked it up, and I saw where it said, "Like, I think that in order to kind of, you know, everything nowadays, everybody wants everything right now. Like they do like a quick comprehensive, like here, here's not comprehensive, like like a quick snapshot. Here's how this guy did, but then it goes through like three other people, and they grade it." And that's when the final grade comes out. And then Sheldon was like, you know, the highest rated guy. I don't know how he wasn't anyway. But I was like, okay, they go back and correct it. They want to give the fans a little taste when the game ends. Then they fix it. But it's still Marcus May on the season is not a friggin' 40. No, and Glenn, and I know Marcus May has had a couple down weeks. And there was some games where even I brought it up where, okay, he left his zone. He could have got beat here that last game um, that I played, that we watched. Or maybe it was just Kyle last week where he was actually beat by a tight end to the corner of the end zone where he could have got beat for a touchdown. But I think overall Marcus May was a little bit better than Jamal Adams this year. So the fact that he's a 40-whatever and Jamal Adams is an 82 or whatever, I don't I, – that's that's why when I talk about pro football focus and their garbage ranking sometimes, that's that, that's exactly what I mean. Well, Marcus May – say garbage rank. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes, yeah. It's all about consistency, though. They have no consistency with their rankings. So I'm sorry. Um, I don't, Actually, I'm not sorry because I don't care. My number one – is uh, Jamal Adams, and I'm not gonna like I said, I'm not gonna bring up too many plays. It's just in this in this play, their Jets are just in a cover too. You can see um, Jamal Adams right here, the um, inside the, the the slot receiver on the boundary side runs a post. Jamal Adams recognizes it, um, jumps it, almost gets the interception where he's really close to the interception here. Um, pretty straightforward play, like I said, just did a deep coverage, jumps the post. So nice play from him there. And then um, the last one I'll bring up for these studs and duds, unless Glenn wants to add something or whatever, I'll see if I can bring it up. Um, even though you just said Neil Sterling was number one, so never mind, you don't. Um, and this is just an inside zone, and Adams just fills a gap and makes a tackle. So just no nothing too special there. 
Um, like I said, I don't want to go too far into it, but the fact, and this is why we see like, oh, 20 run stops and he's been playing really well and getting a lot of run stops more than any safety. Yeah. He's basically a, a linebacker for most of the year where I, I would call him more of a linebacker almost than a safety. Um, yeah, he did spend a lot of time around the line of scrimmage, but, but when he was asked to cover, he did, you know, I know people talk about some of the touchdowns he gave up, but Jesus, some of those touchdowns were just either phenomenal plays by the tight end or, yeah. you know, the Njoku one where Njoku grabs him by the shoulder pads and throws him away as he's running the route and no flag was thrown. So he, no, he wasn't perfect, but as good as he was, he was even better. I would say than the numbers indicate because people will look at it and go, Oh, look, he gave up four or five touchdowns. Nah, the one against Gronk, then Gronk like used his left hand to cover his face mask. Well, that might have been a touchdown. I think he drew a flag on that play. That was like a big pass interference. Yeah, yeah. Gronk basically, they're both looking up at the ball. They're both clean. And then Gronk puts a hand up over his face mask and there's yep. no flag thrown. And people, oh, he got beat by Gronk. Which, by the way, <laughs> oh, rookie got beat by a Hall of Famer. He must be a bust. <laughs> Yeah, and that, and that happened. Um, yeah, that that game where he drew that penalty, where Gronk that was a pass interference on on Gronk, if anything. Um, and yeah. like I said, we'll we'll admit when when Jets players suck or whatever. But then later in the game, same situation, Darren Lee, and Darren Lee doesn't look to the ball and is like all in Gronk's grill, and Gronk miss, misses the ball, and there's no flag on Lee when it was much more of a flag than Adams. So that even the play last week where yeah, okay, Adams could have took inside leverage. Um, to to Gates and didn't let him get the inside, but Gates boxed him out. He fully extended his arms, so it's not like yeah you can blame him for it, but it, it's it's a hard play to make, especially for a rookie who's learning, you know, six different positions and has six different assignments that he's regularly responsible for. Uh, responsible for whether it's, whether it's an intermediate zone or a deep zone or man coverage on a tight end or as a blitzer or as um, an edge setter, whatever it is. So of course, a lot of different roles. They ask him to do a lot of different things for a rookie. Uh, you know, give it a year or two when he's settled in and he knows what he's doing. And it's uh, – I think he's going to be a really good player. He's just got to stop these damn diving for people's ankles. Yeah, he does that way too much where he'll, he'll you know, instead of on, on a third and three, he'll tackle a guy at the ankles and he'll fall forward for a first down if we tackle him around the, the waist or the legs or, the you know, the upper thighs, then it would be, you know, uh, you'd only let him get an extra yard or whatever. Like, he, he does let up a couple extra yards because of people falling forward and jumping over him, et cetera. Um, but yeah, the, just like I said, it, it blows my mind that Marcus May is a 40 something and, and Adams is a high 70 or low 80, which is just ridiculous because of how many times we, you know, watch the film and break it down and have said that Marcus May was better than Adams. Now, maybe you could say they're more towards even because of Marcus May struggled a little bit at the end of the year, yeah, but, but, but still. There's, no, there's no way Marcus May is a 48 and Jamal Adams is an 81, like almost double or not double, but like 80%. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll also land on the list. Pa, we'll, we'll do positives from the games and negatives, and we'll get into some other topics. Um, any positives from the from the offense that you that you wanted to bring up? What they score? Six points. I mean. Yeah, you know, I think I think. Other than the other than Neil Sterling looking good, you know, they're terrible. Yeah. Um, I mean, Robbie Anderson with a spike to hit the guy in the face. Like, why are you doing that? Come on, man. Like, yeah. I get that you're a young kid, but you've had an incident or two on the field, off the field, like. You gotta start learning. I know it's a, you know, it's it's an emotional game, and guys get competitive, and there's a lot of testosterone and yada yada yada. But come on, just take the damn ball, go back to the huddle. Um, and I'm not blasting the guy, not like these idiots who said let's cut him after he threw his helmet. Um, but yeah, that'd be pretty stupid. There, there's no need for it. I I get the competitive fire. You know, if that's the last play of the game, and it would have been a game winner, I get it. Um, and you know what? To, to cut him a little slack, maybe he's going into that game saying. I'm an undrafted free agent in year two who's about to get a thousand yards receiving. I need sixty yards. 
and his quarterback can't get him the damn ball. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to come across like I'm trashing the guy because I see that a lot um, from Jets fans who, who you know, unexplicably lose their minds when a guy does one or two little things wrong. But I, when I saw that, like my first reaction, of course, was that it was funny because what are the odds the ball bounces up perfectly and hits the dude in the chin? But then after I watched it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, but you really can't be doing that. It was funny, but you can't. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, from the offense, I guess, you know, we saw Stewart on a 49-yard catch where he was in the slot, just beat his guy in a nine route. Just nothing special there. Nice ball from Petty, actually. Well, actually yeah, we should mention that, though, because how long have we been saying, can we please throw our Darius Stewart the ball beyond the line of scrimmage? Bubble screens and swing passes and, and, and end the rounds. And just throw the yeah. ball. Let him make a friggin' play. Oh, the guy had a nice preseason. Your season is over. Work these guys in. You know, it was really nice. It was a 46-yard catch. That was nice to see. Good for him. Uh, I think it was a 40. It was 49. But, yeah, here. I'm not going to, you know, break it down too much, Glenn. It's just he, no, he, look, he beats he him on a nine. Up, That's yeah, it. Yeah, he runs up the seam. He beats the DB, and he makes a catch. The thing is, though, if you look at it, like, he comes really close to breaking that tackle. And if he does, that's a touchdown. It's a huge play. Look, look how close he comes to breaking away from this guy. Yeah, he – The dude literally, like, grabs his thumb and pulls him down at the last second, like, I saw that play, I'm like, because uh, I, I didn't tell you, like, I watched the game, I had to watch it the next day, because I didn't know, hmm. I, I have the NFL package, that's how I watch all the games, and the Jets suck, so they're never on the local TV, if you're on local TV, you're not on NFL.com, since they were playing the Patriots, they were on local TV, I, the thought hadn't even crossed my mind, I log into my computer five minutes before game time, and it's like, sorry, this game is blacked out, and nah. I was like, oh shit! And I didn't because I don't have the local TV because I just we watch Netflix. That's Netflix and whatever. So I had to wait. I had to sit there and wait for the game to end. And then like it wasn't until like early afternoon the next day that the condensed version was available. So I watched that. So I didn't get to watch it, but I was pissed because I had you know I knew what happened basically. Yeah. Um, now with the offense too, and this is why I, this is a guy I think that the Jets are bringing back. Um, Curse just gives a slight hesitation. Oh, Slot, re- slot receiver, he gets the cornerback, who I think is Jones, to react a little bit to the outside and bite yep. to the outside. Great gives catch. It, gives it, yeah, gives him inside leverage, and Jones is still all over him here. Yeah. He has a really good position. Climbs um, the ladder. Yeah, climbs the ladder, extends his arms fully to catch the ball, which is not a great ball from Petty, actually. Yeah. Um, it, it was a good ball, but he could have definitely put it in a better spot. He um, doesn't let hands the catch. distract him. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's funny, too, because this, this catch got him $100,000. So 65 yeah. catches a clause in his contract gets him an extra hundred thousand dollar bonus, and he got that. That was a 65th catch. He was not dropping that ball. No. Um. So could good you, play from you, Curse. Could you imagine if you dropped that pass and you you got to go back to the locker room going like shit? I just it cost me a hundred grand. Yeah. And I know these guys are rich, but a hundred grand is a hundred grand. You know, maybe it's, Bill a, it's Gates, a Ferrari, man. It's like maybe you know. maybe Bill Gates can laugh at a hundred grand. You know, NFL players. It's not like Jamal Curse is a guy making sixteen million a year. You know, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I think I think he's he's definitely back. You know, whatever. Oh, even God, if, even, if, totally even if it's in a smaller role, good locker room guy. Uh, Sixty-five catches, whatever. How many yards? Yep. Probably whatever. Around seven hundred, whatever it may be. Um, maybe not, maybe not even 700, maybe 600. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not like a, a stats guy where I study how much he got, but he was a, he was a, he was a decent receiver for the Jets. I know. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a career high. Okay. But, um, yeah, I guess just Google that really quick. I'm doing it. I got it. He had, uh, it was, it was a career high in yards. He had eight ten. His previous career oh, okay. high, 
His previous career high was 685. His previous career high in catches was 49. He had 65. He tied his career high in touchdowns with five. So he didn't – He I, I put these numbers up several weeks ago saying he was on pace to, to shatter career highs and everything. Um, and I'm pretty sure he had five touchdowns then too. So he went a yeah. while without a score. But still, 65 for 8, 10, and five touchdowns as the number two receiver on a team that was supposed to go 0-16 and score three yeah. touchdowns this year. He had yeah. a pretty good season. Exactly. I'm bringing that back for $5 million next year. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Glenn, so positives. I don't, I don't even have negatives from the offense because we talked about it all. But um, positives from the defense, I, I'm not going to bring up the play. But um, Mike Pennell, another good game. Five yeah. uh, tackles, three solo. He, he is a powerful guy where, like I said last week, um, I think he's a guy who's moved if, if they don't draft a, a big defensive end or, you know, get a guy in free agency. I think he's a guy who's going to be moved into the zero or one technique spot um, a good amount. And you, and you move McClendon either there um, in a nickel package, whatever it may be. But then when Pennell's in the game, run stuffing situation, whatever it be, 4-3, um, you take McClendon and move him as a, as a three, as a two, as a, as a maybe a, a four, whatever it may be. But um, I think Simon starts to see more snaps because he, he is a super, super powerful dude. Yeah, I talked. We talked about him last night. Like I said, I did the uh, or a couple nights ago with the uh, the no fly zone guys, and we were going over the pending free agents and who should we try to keep and who should they let go. And Mike Pennell came up, and I said, you know, he got a lot of heat early because basically he went from invisible guy that casual fans didn't even realize was on the team. Of course, we knew he was on the team, but he just wasn't playing. He was playing eight, twelve snaps a game, wasn't making any plays. Then he had that huge boneheaded penalty that kind of put him on the radar, and everybody was just mad at him. And then he would make, you know, he'd have another penalty here and there. Um, but I, I said, if you just brush that aside and you just watch the film and look at how he's played, I guess did a really good job. And for the right price, I would bring him back. And that's knowing that it means, you know, the guy I mentioned earlier, Deion Simon. I don't think Deion Simon's done a bad job. I think Deion Simon could be a nice interior lineman, again, whether it's rotational, starter, or whatever. Um, but I think if Pennell's on the roster again, uh, it's, it could spell the end for Deion Simon. But the dude played well, man. He's a big guy. I, I, the way he played is kind of how I expected him to play after watching him in preseason. But you know, uh, you know, we're not sorry, not preseason. But when I read about him before preseason started, and then seeing him at camp, I was like, damn, this guy's huge. Um, but yeah. then when when Simon had a nice camp, I felt like, well, most teams are guilty of it. I'm sure the Jets will do it. You go with the guy you drafted if it's close, just because it's good for your rep, you know. Um, but credit to the Jets. They said, look, we drafted Simon, but this dude's better. And they put Simon on the practice squad. They carried Pennell. And he had a slow start, but a really nice finish. And a big reason why, you know, it, it, you know, we, we've talked before about, you know, running back stats. And, and did you shut down the run or did you not shut down the run? Even, even against the Saints, best rushing attack in the league, just did a nice job. The Saints had a nice run on what was that last run of the game when they were running out the clock and they broke a 50-some yarder. But – I remember at one point in that game, I was, you know, kind of mid-late third quarter, I thought to myself, like, where's this Where's this great running game I keep hearing about? Like, I, it, it, you know, you're so caught up in the game at the moment, sometimes you have to stop and think about each aspect. And I thought, God, the Saints aren't really I, – I expected them to be ripping off big run after big run. Um, and that wasn't happening. You know, again, they ran one off when they were running the clock out. But uh, yeah. Pennell was a big reason for that. And Pennell on the inside, man, he was a pretty damn good player. So I would have no problem bringing him back. Yeah, um, I'm going back in a second. Uh, but, yeah, he, he definitely played really well. Even even this game, too, where he just, like, it was, an, it was an inside – I think it was an inside zone or a power run, whatever whatever it was. 
and he just shoved his arm into the uh, offensive lineman's chest and just drove him back into the um, play side gap, and the running back had nowhere to go because Pennell just threw a 300-pound guy with one arm and drove him back into the gap. Um, and he, he's been really impressive. I, I think he's a guy who's definitely back here. Um, now, in terms of the other guys who were playing well on the on the defense, I thought I think Josh Martin's a guy who's a solid uh, contributor as a role as a role player type of guy. And we've talked about it before. And this is just another um, power run. And the pulling right guard, it gets blown up by Josh Martin. Now, yeah, he, he is ducking. He is, he's not extending his hand. He's trying to take him on with his shoulder, and he's basically on the ground before Martin comes. But still, Martin, you know, puts his shoulder into him, um, knocks him back, and makes a one-on-one tackle on, on Lewis. Or, you know, he had a little bit of help here, but it still gets into the backfield. So, Martin's a guy who I, I know Glenn is, is very high on and who I'm relatively high on for what he is. But I think he's a really good contributor as a, as a backup, a guy who comes in um, – if he, you know, injuries, whatever, whatever it, it, it may be. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Another play to a guy. Uh, no, hold on. Let me. Glenn, can you hear me? Oh, can you hear me, Glenn? I can hang on one second. Um, there you go. So, yeah, I was just talking about Martin, brought up a play of Martin, you know, uh, blew up the, the pulling guard and, and uh, got a tackle. Another play here from a guy who I think is another type of backup guy. Maybe he's your fourth or fifth outside linebacker. Maybe if Molden can beat him out, you never know. Uh, but David Bass, who's a nine-tech right here, who the, the, this right tackle has really slow feet, by the way, and, and dropping back vertically, uh, ducks his head into him, and Bass, you know, takes his arm, um, deflects the punch of the right guard, gets into him and then pulls a rip move and he gets past him for a sack. So I think Bass has been a guy who I, I think should be back as a role player type of guy too. Martin, I think is like the one, a role player as a backup. And I think Bass is your fourth or fifth outside linebacker because I think he's been, he's been okay this year. I think, I think he's been really good. I, I looked at his numbers a couple of weeks ago. If you look at the number of sacks he has based on the number of snaps, it's really impressive. And really, you know, you think that kind of reminds you of Lorenzo Malden a couple of years ago. But the difference is that Bass has been pretty damn good against the run, too. Um, he's played plenty. He probably, I, I would, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would venture to guess he's played more against the run this year than Malden did a couple of years ago. And he's held up against the run. I, I, he's one of those guys you look at and, and you say, you know, why, why, why isn't this guy caught on? Why isn't he starting or a, like a, a Getting a guy getting a big chunk of playing time somewhere else, and um, it, you know, kind of reminds me one thing, and not to get too far off topic, but I remember when I when we were at camp last year, there was a one Jets beat writer, and we were talking about a couple former players who were in the league for a couple of years and flamed out Jets, non Jets, and, and they said something. They said, "Look, there there are legitimately like there are guys who are good enough to be good NFL players, and they, the thing is, they play two, three, four years in the with the wrong team and the wrong system." and they get flushed out, and nobody else brings them in for a workout, and they don't get another shot. Like, there are guys good enough to be in the NFL who probably aren't in the NFL for that reason. And, you know, not that David Bass is in the NFL, but you look at him, you're like, why hasn't he been a bigger part of someone's defense for, you know, you look at his numbers over the years, he doesn't get a lot of playing time. But when he does, he plays really well. So I like but I hope he's back next year. Yeah, they, the Jets kind of have, like, with, with Bass playing a little bit lesser snaps, but they have uh... – they have him, Jenkins, and Martin, kind of like a three-man rotation type of thing. Um, and this is the play I was talking about earlier, which I'm actually going to bring up a good play of Jenkins. I think the, those three outside linebackers played uh, pretty well. 
or they, they played. They played. Yeah, they, they played okay. This one, it's just it's Jordan Jenkins is coming off coming off the edge. He's a I would say he's a seven yeah seven tech, and he doesn't contain the outside, which he's supposed to. You know, gets uh, sucked up by the number forty six, the fullback's block, and then this is Burris just taking another terrible angle, flat footed. Like look out! Like what is he trying? He's taking a that's a terrible tackle attempt, Glenn. Yeah, he's not he's not breaking down. He's breaking down late, basically, and the guy has already decided he's, he's gonna cut inside. Yeah, he's breaking down way too far with outside leverage, you know, flat-footed, and then just gets juked. So he's just – he's a really bad tackler. So that's why another reason I don't think he can necessarily play safety because his yeah. – especially like corners, okay, you might have an angle on a running back who's running up the middle, but free safeties or safeties, you have – you're direct head-on tackling guys a lot. And he is terrible tackler in the open field. I do not want him one-on-one with a running back uh, to save a touchdown. He, but, he, he basically – he might be Calvin Pryor, but able to cover in a passing game. Like, think about – and, and I, I'm not saying that's a good thing at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, you talk about uh, about safeties who couldn't take a good angle. That's uh, – the first thing I think of is Calvin Pryor. And, and, and we've, we've talked about this before. He uh, – it's, it's a kind of a surprising development for him because I feel like last year there wasn't an issue there with tackling. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he tackled like a linebacker, but he was good enough for a corner – doesn't shy away from contact. He often, unfortunately, this year misses it. Like he's more than happy to do it, but he misses too often, and you can't have that. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that. Um, and this is the good play of him, where the left tackle is trying to cut block him. He gets past the cut block, and he gets the pass deflection. And now, if people are wondering, you know, what is this play? This is a this is called an F angle concept. Um, where you have the slot or the Y, they break out. Sometimes it's a whip route. Sometimes it's just an out where they're trying to pull this this um, coverage in the middle, whether it be hook zone or, or um, man man zone mix, whatever it is. But this this uh, tight end or slot receiver pulls out this coverage to the outside, and then the angle route comes from the running back. He cuts up field, and the middle is open for him. doesn't work because the cut block is not successful on Jordan Jenkins. They try to get to number 38 on the angle route, and Jenkins has enough awareness to get – his hands up and get the pass deflection. So nice play from him there. Um, Glenn, other than that, with the uh, offense or the, sorry, the, the positives from the defense, I don't have anything. Is there anything else you want to mention? from? I mean, no, just, you know, as the year closes out, you know, it was, uh, again, the team outperformed a lot of people's expectations. And there were some players that, that played a lot better than people expected them to. And, you know, just kind of give those guys some credit. Bass is one. You know, we just talked about Pennell, Josh Martin. I thought, I thought Josh Martin was going to be more productive as, a, as a, a guy who got to the quarterback. I thought he'd have seven or eight sacks this year. He didn't, but he still had a nice year. And, you know, on offense, Curse, obviously surprised. Robbie Anderson took that next step that we hoped he would. And really, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a matter of a next step. He had a quarterback who got him the ball. You know, we talked so yeah. much. We talked so much. I said in the offseason that I thought he would have been a, a rookie of the year candidate if he'd, uh, if he'd had a better quarterback his rookie year. So that, it was nice to see him continue that. Austin Safari Jenkins, a little bit disappointing to see him fade down the stretch, but I think that may have been a lot to do with snap counts. I've talked about that, how, uh, you know, he played like triple the number of snaps he's ever played in the league, third-year guy, but the first few years he didn't see the field very much. I think he may have been beaten up. Uh, nice to see the rookie safeties do as well as they did. And let's get some of these other rookies healthy. You know, I, I would say one of my biggest disappointments, and, it, you know, some Jet fans may say, you know, why, who cares? But I really wanted to see Derek Jones this year. I really hoped he would get some reps. And when he was active for a couple of weeks, I was like, oh, maybe we get to see him. Um, and, he, you know, he didn't see the field. And I, I'm going to go back and watch this film. I'm curious to see uh, Oldham Guachem, the guy we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I was hoping he would see some late-season reps. I mean, really, if not for – He looked okay. 
if Buffalo's if Buffalo's reps late in the year, like and that's what you know. You asked me earlier why carry a fourth quarterback because I feel like every year a team carries a guy like Ogum Guachum, and I'd rather have a fourth quarterback than a linebacker who's going to play 19 snaps in week 16 and 17. Like there's always a guy who is active on the roster but isn't active on game days, and this team doesn't have a damn quarterback. And even if they get one, if they get it, if it's an Alex Smith. Like we said earlier, he's a guy you have for three or four years. Like bring in a quarterback, bring in a rookie, and then double the Washington. Listen, the only reason the Washington Redskins have Kirk Cousins yeah. is because they doubled down. They drafted him a couple rounds after Robert Griffin. Like you can't don't put all your eggs in one basket, especially if we're talking rookies. Yeah. So I say get a quarterback, get a vet, get a rookie, and maybe even two rookies and carry four. I, I want as many quarterbacks as you can reasonably carry. They carried four a couple of years ago. No reason not to do it again. They need if you even if you, this league has gotten so insane. If your fourth quarterback or your third quarterback plays okay in the preseason and then has one or two okay-ish starts for some reason, you could trade that dude for a third round pick. Like it's gotten so crazy. Especially if they're coming from the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. But this is just that Martin play for you, Glenn. I don't know if you if, if you saw it before. Um, and just for like the nerdy people out there, this is I strong, yeah, I strong right. Um, and just for people, like I said, if you want to like study film, some people will say they like it. Fullbacks on the right hand side. With the yeah, hand. yeah. Well, yeah. So, so like I, I strong right is I. So you have the running back, the the quarterback under center, directly behind. Yeah, directly behind. It's usually six or six and a half yards behind the quarterback. Um, strong means this fullback. He usually is in the B gap on strong. Um, strong. So the, the fullback is on the strong side of the play. So it's I, strong. And then this tells the tight end where to be. Um, right. So I, strong, right. Now, if this was like – now, if, if you wanted him on the weak side, it would be I, I, weak, right. Or if you wanted them both on the left side, it'd be I um, strong left. So just for the nerdy people out there, but yeah, he blows up the edge right here, uh, or not the edge, but the uh, pulling guard, and then he makes the tackle, even though it's a bad block attempt. But still, and, and, this, and this is his first year as a full time player. So I know you can look at it and say, oh, he's been in the league four or five years. Yeah, but this is the first time he's gotten on the field consistently. So maybe he takes another step next season. Who knows? But he, he is at least he has proven himself as a guy who's capable of being an NFL, a quality NFL player. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, you follow that dude on Twitter, like, he's not your typical jock. Like, he tweets a lot, and he'll, he's like, hey, here's the latest on, like, the economics in Indonesia and blah, I'm like, oh, oh you want to talk about football, I'm cool, maybe a little psychology, that's all right. But he, he's, he's, a, he's an Ivy League guy, Columbia, so he's, uh, he's got some brains up in there. And, yeah. uh, he's, you see, he, I know, you know, uh, not a lot of fans uh, give a damn about the – you know, about a player's character. I'm a big character guy, and I, I feel like he's a good character guy, and and I like having those guys on my roster. I like guys like yeah. Roof, that I don't know if you from on Sunday, but there's a good chance he's beating the crap out of his girlfriend on Monday. Oh, geez. All right. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I get what you mean completely. Too many, too many of those guys in the league, man. Oh, there's a lot, yeah. So, moving on to the um, negatives from the defense, and we'll move on to some other stuff. We talked about Morris Claiborne before with Scott, where yeah. Morris Claiborne got beat. Justin, Justin Burris was a disaster. Yeah, Morris Claiborne got beat on the nine route where it could have been a big gain. He got beat on the uh, the drag or just a short crossing route, and he got beat again. But Brady missed, uh, didn't throw the ball too well. Um, there's another play. I think this is almost put Marcus May in the negatives of this game because he didn't have that, that great of a game in here. Uh, it's just a Y cross concept. 
and you know why cross and you see this outside receiver run a vertical route whether it be a post or um, a nine route and Marcus May gets sucked up by the play action you can see him looking into the into the backfield and react to it and then you see Cooks going right down the sideline and he is wide open where if Brady throws it earlier on a, on a rope mm-hmm. or he okay. leads him that's a touchdown yeah so yeah. that's the plays that people don't really notice where okay yeah he didn't let up a touchdown this game but that that's a touchdown right there last week he almost let up a touchdown to a tight end but instead Rivers went to the right where he got a touchdown anyway um so he but, but, yeah. but it's also one of those things though as, as i've said before joe sometimes we'll look at film and you see you guy getting beat and i'm like sometimes the other guy's just better than you like some and and cooks is one of the fastest dudes in the nfl like it's not I, i'm not like he, he reacts late there and i get it but uh sometimes the other guy's just better yeah, but and, even even on a slow receiver, Glenn, this is this is a hard angle to make up on, you know. And, and, and that's why I said he does react late. I agree with that, but I I think I think I said it in my game preview, um, you know, key matchups. I said like Brandon Cooks, like the Jets don't have a lot of guys that can keep up with him. Um, I yeah. expect, and and I and I specifically I singled out Burris because it, it, you know even though I've liked the guy, I said that we've seen him struggle against these guys, these elite speed guys. And I said it could get ugly if they match up together. Um, and Cooks is just one of those guys that when you line up, you're going to have to know that un- unless you're perfect and, like, double covering him and, and throwing him around at the line, he's going to get his catches. But Yeah, uh, but, well, and, 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 no, and, and I agree with that. Like, he's going to get his catches, but at the same time, you want him to know he's playing, you know, Cooks. And, and like I said, yeah, even, even on that – got a better technique. Even on that, even on that play, even if it's a slow receiver, if he bolts him right there, then that's his responsibility, and he gets a catch and maybe you know yards after catch for a touchdown, whatever it may be. Um, so you know it, it is what it is, though I guess. But yeah, so he he the last couple of weeks he's definitely struggled a little bit more, but regardless, he's a, he's a rookie. I think he's played generally well. But like I said last week too, he got he got beat, and Rivers just didn't throw him. Uh, throw the ball that way so Glenn any other negatives or positives you want to talk about we'll talk about special teams now I guess for a couple seconds uh no I would say uh you know uh, on specials Lachlan Edwards he he had a really nice year he had a really good season actually uh I think he's underappreciated because he's a punter people don't understand the importance of field position you know uh, again he's only a punter you know quote only but uh you know you never hear him mentioned when people say has Mac acquired any good players because people don't respect special teams um but he's done a really nice job i'm happy for the guy again seems like a high character guy um yeah but uh you know uh tip of the cap to him and catanzaro listen you know i i said that uh i thought ross martin should have won i think ross martin did win that battle but in camp in camp he definitely yeah he definitely did yeah but but uh you know mike mccann you know i'm sure it was i'm sure todd Bowles had a big hand in that let's give him credit um, for saying he stuck with the veteran, I'll when I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. I, nothing worse than than somebody just making excuses and bullshitting and saying I was right. And and that you know the worst thing is I remember we had a guy years ago who just he spent like two three years telling everyone how bad Wes Welker was. Like Wes Welker is the worst receiver ever. The only reason he ever catches a ball is because of Randy Moss. That's ridiculous. And, then Randy Moss was gone, and he still caught, like, 150 passes. Then he went to a different team and was catching 150 passes. And there was always an excuse There was always an excuse or a reason why I'm still right, despite the fact that every no. single thing that has happened has proven me wrong. I'm, I'm not like that, man. That's a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people do that. I, I say it all the time. People, you know, I, I think people kind of see it as a sign of weakness. 
I see it as like being like honest with yourself and a little bit of humility. You look um, stupid I, when you do that, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly. But that's the thing though. Like we're so overpopulated with stupid people that they would rather, you know, just keep saying stupid stuff like, oh, the earth is flat, man. I can't believe you fell for those fake pictures. Um, you know, but Cat and Zaro, man, I was wrong. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought, and, and this isn't to say Martin wasn't better. Martin was better, but, uh, but the credit to the coaching staff for sticking with him. Yeah. And, uh, he's a free agent. Who knows? Maybe him and Martin coming to camp again next year. Yeah. Uh, I think we can definitely say that he had a better year than both of us expected. And that while I do think that Martin won the job in camp, maybe he came into the season, didn't do as well as Cat and Zaro. So we have to give the Jets co- uh, coaching staff credit. Yeah. Um, you know, and like, like you said, he had a relatively good year. Uh, Cat and Zaro was two for three this game. He had one block kick. Uh, yeah, I I think if he would have hit that one, the Jets would have won the game. But that's a whole different topic. Yeah. Now, in terms of Lackland Edwards, he, he lost them that game. Lackland Edwards, seven punts, three hundred twenty-four yards for a forty-six point three average. And you're talking about him playing well, and he sets the uh, Jets record in uh, both gross punt average, which is forty-six point six for gross punt average. For people who don't know what that means, that's how far the ball actually you know travels in the air past the line of scrimmage, and then his net. Uh, punt was 40.5 and net punt means okay well if he catches it at the 40 let's say it's a 50 yard punt and then he catches it uh, the punt returner and brings it uh, forward five yards that's a 45 yard punt in net so gross and net he, he set the uh, records in it with like I said gross being 46.6 net being 40.5 and net for net punt return for the Jets and all the big punt returns they let up I'm surprised it's even that number honestly when I saw yeah. that um so negative from the from the special teams, they got to get a new freaking punt returner. They ended the year with four point five yards per punt return, which is the fifth lowest average over the last ten years. Four point five, four and a half. There were running backs that averaged that per carry. A lot of running backs who averaged that per and, carry. And you got like you got like a head start with no defenders in front of you. That yep. is embarrassing. That yep. they have got to fix that. And I know I tweeted to you and I said it. I wanted Ryan Switzer, and Ryan Switzer would have been a, a damn good punt returner. Yeah. What the – oh, my God. I, I honestly – I prefer they would have stuck with Khalif Raymond because Khalif Raymond made some mistakes, but he was explosive. Like, give him some time to work, and the guy might make yeah. a play. JoJo Natson. I, I, I would like to see our Darius Stewart back there a little bit, honestly. Yeah, give me some guy with some quickness and some wiggle. I don't, I don't need a bruising – fullback back could have done better than 4.5 yards per carry or per partner uh maybe but yeah it's regardless that's that's the the goal shouldn't be let's beat 4.5 i would say like the league average is probably like seven or eight uh with with like good like a good partner turner's like nine or ten excellent partner turner 10 is like is like the 10 you're doing really good yeah really good so like jets aren't even halfway there yeah, I would say seven, seven and a half is average. Like eight to nine is good. Ten is like okay, really good. And then like eleven's like wow, like this guy's yeah. like freaking good. So um, moving on though, Glenn, since we're, we're gonna pass on Kirk Cousins this week because uh, Scott, no, unless you want to do it a little, a little, a little bit. No, so, I'll, okay, I'll say it fast, but I'm doing my Kirk Cousins. Thing. Okay, okay, I'm crazy all freaking week. Well, we we have two months of content to make up, so I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I, I'll talk. No. I'll say it every damn week. So okay, Just so let's. Uh, we, we, we got Jets fans saying they don't want Kirk Cousins. Do we really want Kirk Cousins? Did you know that Kirk Cousins threw an interception one time? Are you freaking kidding me? Here, the, the four top idiotic things I can think about that are being said about Kirk Cousins right now, and, and I'm going to address all four. The first thing is his own team doesn't even want him. Why should we want him? They've seen him up close and they think he sucks. That's idiotic. 
the Redskins, how often do you see a front office send out a tweet to their fans to tell them, guys, we're sorry, man, we, we tried to sign this freaking guy. He wouldn't take the money. They did that last year. They offered him what was reported to be over $50 million, $54 million in guarantees. It's a reported number. They were begging him to come back. Kirk Cousins is the one that doesn't want the Redskins. It's not that the Redskins don't want him. If they didn't want him, they would have traded him. As a, the, the Patriots, they wouldn't be paying him like $25 million right this year. $27 million. Uh, they, the Patriots just got a second rounder for Jimmy Garoppolo, who had a, a start and a half in his life. They could have got multiple first rounds with Kirk Cousins. They kept him in hopes that they would keep him. They absolutely want him. So any idiot that's telling me, I don't want a guy that his own team doesn't want him. His team does want him. He doesn't want them. I, I don't know what they did to him. The dude literally, like, the day, after, the, the day after the game, he deleted the Redskins off his Twitter. And I like, yeah. was like, like I'm in a business played. suit now. Yeah. I've, I've never played for the Redskins in my life. I swear to God. Like, he wants nothing to do with them. I don't know why, but to say that they don't want him is so far fetched and ridiculous. It's just idiotic to imply maybe, that. Maybe he's, a, he's, a, he's um, offended by their mascot. It's a Redskins. So maybe he's. Yeah, per, perhaps that's it. He may have some Native American heritage, whatever it is. Then uh, the other thing, I don't want to pay him $30 million. Guess what? That's the going rate for a damn good quarterback. The highest paid guy right now is $27, 28000000 million. When you are, here, here's, yeah. the rule. here's the rule, like it or not. When you are an awesome quarterback, which that's the other thing. He's got a low ceiling. He's the third greatest quarterback in the NFL over the last three years with Tom Brady and Drew Brees. You're going to tell me that's average? Average is Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Get the hell out of here, okay? Yeah. So you don't want to pay $30 million. What do you want to do? You want to draft the quarterback so that in two or three years when if you're insanely lucky, that guy is as good as Kirk Cousins, that you can pay that guy 35 or $36 Because that will be the going rate then. And what's your cap situation going to be? Because right now you got $100 million. Use it wisely. You have an opportunity. Uh, and, and that ties into the next one. Draft a guy. I, I want to draft a guy. My preference would be to draft the quarterback. Listen. If you can't get Cousins, absolutely draft the quarterback. That's your only choice. But when Kirk Cousins is, is, is an option and he's on the board, you're going to draft the quarterback. Oh, you just draft him and develop him. Wasn't that the plan with Mark Sanchez? Wasn't that the plan with Chad Pennington? Wasn't that the plan with Geno Smith? Wasn't that the plan with Kellen Clements? When you have the known commodity, I get that some of these guys have high ceilings and we expect big things. But he, for, for, here, here's the thing. You can give me 50 million reasons why you don't want Kirk Cousins. I'm going to give you one reason why you should. None of the draft picks have proven that they can do what he can do. He's yeah. proven it. They've proven nothing. And they might all be – look, there might be 10 Hall of Fame quarterbacks taken in this draft. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. If John Elway can't pick a damn quarterback, I can't pick a damn quarterback. Give me the guy who has shown that he can do it. And the other thing that drives me nuts, I've had fans tell me, we're not ready for him yet. We're not good enough. We need to put the pieces in place. <laughs> what? Like – we're just going to sit around and wait for the next 29-year-old franchise quarterback to become a free agent when, when the pieces are in place? Listen, the Jets are a disaster right now. Where were the 49ers? The 49ers were well on their way to one win. They get Jimmy Garoppolo, one player. They changed one player. They went from one win to winning five in a row. Their points per game went from 18 through the first 11 games of the year or 10 games of the year. Was it five or four? I think it was four. Four or what? No, five. It was five. It was five? Okay. And th that's why they're behind the Jets now, because they have six wins. They had yeah, one win right. when they inserted him. He won right. five straight before Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. 
the, the disaster that was the 49ers were averaging 18 points a game. Once Jimmy Garoppolo was inserted into the lineup, 28 points a game. Are you kidding me? We're not ready for him yet. We yeah, that that that's a great idea, Jets fans. Let's sit and wait. Let's wait longer for a good quarterback. That's what we need. We need some time to get ready for a quarterback. You gotta be kidding me. Josh McCown on this team, you know, uh, playing well enough that what week 10, 11, they were still in the playoff hunt. You put Kirk Cousins on this roster, Brian Wentz is freaking abdomen heels. You get a center in that lineup and get a you know, add another tight end to the mix. This Jimmy Garoppolo just showed us, and not like we needed him to, but for, for people who aren't paying attention and they need a very recent example, you go from eh quarterback play to elite quarterback play, you yeah. become a playoff contender. I don't want – do we want Kirk Cousins? Get out of your damn mind. Of course we want Kirk Cousins. We want, you want Geno Smith back? He's a free agent. That, that's going to get you places. Maybe Brooks Bollinger's not up to anything. That's all. That's, I, I don't get worked up. I don't get worked up very often, Joe. But when I hear Jets fans saying we don't want Kirk Cousins, that's that to me. That's like beyond dumb. Yeah, you think about like you think about like the the like the ugliest dude you ever met in your life, being like, oh, I don't I don't want that that supermodel. She's got a she's got a bunion. Yeah. Shut up. She's got a little bit of cellulite for me. Yeah. Look 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 at her hair. <laughs> I don't. I wish her hair was a little longer. I don't yeah. want that. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna wait ten years for another supermodel. Yeah. That's basically that, that's the Jets. The ugly, the ugly guy who's denying a supermodel because if he doesn't like her hair color. Um, but yeah, Glenn, you you said everything that I would say, and like I said, we'll, we'll be talking about this a lot. But the Jets, he's a known commodity now. Look, if I could, if I could see that Mahomes on the Jets, because you know, just like Watson, Watson, you don't know if he would have succeeded here with the Jets, their team, their offensive line, their running backs, their coaching staff. But if I could look into the future and see that Baker Mayfield is going to be a, a, a great quarterback or even a solid quarterback in five years, yeah, draft him. Sure, but unfortunately, we don't have the power to do that. Where Kirk Cousins, I would say. He's probably the, I would say, the 10th, 11th ranked quarterback to me in the league if I had to rank them. Now, Glenn didn't say the number three to Brady and Drew Brees. Over, he's just saying statistically-wise. I don't think you would say he's Right, like, yeah, yeah, quarterback rating right yes. now. He's, he's I'm, just, I'm just clarifying here. because there yeah, will be yeah. people, oh, he's not the third best. So you probably think, you know, right where I do, I would say 10, 11 range. Um, you have that, and even on the Jets this and year. That, and, that's, and that's 10, 11 range with a not very good roster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, if, if, and, if Quincy Noon was full health and you got Quincy and Curse and Robbie. Yeah. And if you add an offensive line, maybe another running back, exactly. maybe another receiver. Exactly. But it's you know, $100 million. And even just this year without that $100 million and Kirk Cousins, just plug them in. I don't like playing the if game. You're, you're having at least seven and nine, eight and eight type of season. They're, they're winning a couple of that Patriots game, the Carolina game. Like they're winning those games. The Miami game, you're not coming back 14 points where the Jets can kill the clock with a good quarterback who can make a throw on third and three, whatever. Um, so, yeah, eight and eight, seven and nine, Kirk Cousins easily this year. Now, you do that. You, you add that on top of the fact that the Jets have $100 million. If they spend that money wisely, draft a guy like Chubb at six, get addressed so that's positions. Exa- that's exactly what I was just going to say. You get Kirk Cousins, that changes the whole dynamic of the draft. You're not giving up picks to move up. You take Bradley Chubb at number six. You take a center or a back with one of your second-round picks. There's so much you can do to improve this roster. Imagine, yeah. Get him. Imagine if they had if they had cousins. They 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 add a, a guard and a center, or let's say a right tackle and a center in free agency. Another running back, a, a, a you know a guy who could play twenty percent of the snaps, thirty percent of the snaps at a tight end, a backup tight end, a corner like a Tremaine Johnson. And then they can draft you know Chubb and then a center in round two and and a freaking I don't know another I'm, cornerback like they. I'm, I'm hoping they. I don't want to get too drafty. You know we've talked about that, but and I like Price a lot. 
but I really hope they yeah. address center and free agency because as much as they need a center, I hate the thought of using a second rounder on one. Like sign, there there are two or three pretty good ones in free agency. So uh, Jensen from Baltimore is one. You go out and you sign him. That's a significant That's upgraded enough. center. And now that second rounder, maybe use maybe it's the best left tackle on the board. Maybe it's the best corner on the board. Developmental guy, yeah. But center is such a disaster right now. You can't ignore it. But I would much rather get a quality vet in free agency and use those second rounders on premier positions. But regardless, let's let's just say whatever way free agency or, or the draft, and, and if they hit on these draft picks, but even if the Jets just go into free agency, they sign Cousins, and they address the huge holes that we talked about, center, corner, outside linebacker, the Jets can easily be competing for a playoff spot next year. And we are, we are thought to be more negative people, but if the Jets spend that money wisely and draft well and sign a quarterback who's in that 10 to 11 range to me, the, the Jets could easily be, a, be a contending for a playoff team at, at the uh, – Absolutely, right. Joe, Joe, I mean, in all, in all reality, Joe, with Kirk Cousins this year, they may contend for a playoff spot. Yeah. I so, mean, those, those games where they didn't have a running game, it wouldn't have mattered as much with a better quarterback – who, who you could throw the ball with and, you know, stretch the field and he could do more than, uh, than Josh McCown could. And you win some of those games. They might win eight, nine games. Nine games has you banging on the door for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, especially in this in a week AFC this year. But just final final thought, yeah, like I said, if I can look into the future and one of these quarterbacks is as good or a little bit below Kirk Cousins and they're younger in the, in the draft, yeah, sure, take them. But Kirk Cousins is a known commodity. Why not add him to a team with $100 million in cash space? It's dumb. Because I, 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 then, can't, I, I can't believe when I hear Jets fans let's, say – So let's say, let's say the Jets – Kirk Cousins wants to come here. All you idiots – or I'm not, I'm not going to be a dick about it, but the Jets fans who want to just pass on Kirk Cousins and not even offer him a contract, he goes to the Broncos. The Jets drafts Mayfield at number six. He's a bust, and then Kirk Cousins is winning games with the Broncos. You're going to be like, wow, the Jets don't have a quarterback again. So, And, and, and then we're going to hear about, oh, McCagney is so stupid. He had a known commodity, and he drafted a rookie who sucks. As the same like, people who wanted him to do that. Oh, ex- Exactly. That's all the people that are like, yeah. I want a franchise quarterback who's only 23. I, I just want a damn good quarterback. Even if it's only for five, you, six, seven years. You, you cannot – override the importance of knowing the guy can do it how many quarterbacks have we seen taken in the first round who suck they, yeah. they come out of college i guarantee you that i want i want mark sanchez i want ryan leaf i want you know these guys paxton they, lynch they don't get pack i wanted paxton lynch i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna do revision <laughs> history in my defense though i wanted paxton lynch when i thought chan would be around for a couple years to work with him if you would have told me yo chan's quitting after this year then i would have been like on uh, ixnay on the inch lay but come on man like every single year we see these first rounders bust and there's still people that are like i don't want i don't want to pay 30 million for cousins I want to draft someone else because if he's as good as Cousins, we can pay him 36. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Glenn, in, so let's, in, in three or four years. Let's let's move on, though, because we'll talk about Cousins plenty this offseason, trust me. Um, quick thoughts. I don't think we're going to expand on this much, but the Jets extend McCagnan and Bowles. What was, it, what, what was the year exactly? I didn't even pay attention to the year exactly. They, they extended by two years. Yeah, two-year um, extensions. Two-year extensions, but, yeah, people, oh, my God, they're extending. Basically, all this contract meant of these contract extensions was you're not getting fired after this year. So we're giving you an extension until the 2018 end. They can fire them the next year if they, if they really want to because didn't, yeah, the, Jets, so. didn't the Jets extend uh, Rex Ryan and then the next year they cut him or let him go? Yeah. So Didn't the Los Angeles Raiders just sign Jack Del Rio to a four-year deal and, and fire him 20 minutes ago? To hire yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So – and, and it's not like uh, these guys aren't coming off a Super Bowl win, so I'm sure they're not getting huge money. No, um, it's, know, it's a one-year extension, Glenn. 
relative to, to NFL terms. Yeah, and, and it's like I said, all these uh, it's it's nauseating the number of idiot fans, and, and, and you know, and, and it's a few. It's it's a minority. Like I think most fans have a pretty good idea of what's going on right now. But uh, for the last seven, eight, nine months, like the same idiots that are like, Mac's going to draft a safety. We're not even going to get a quarterback. Josh McCown's going to be our starter, and we're going to give him $12 million like we did Fitz because it's the same old Jets. These people are idiots. There, there is no way McCown is starting for this team next year. And if he is, I'm the first one, dude. Bye, I'm Mac. FireMikeMcAgnon.com. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't want to hear that, uh, that Mac's going to draft a friggin' safety in the first round. And if he does, it better be because he signed Kirk Cousins and he's drafted Minka Fitzpatrick. That's the only – you know what I mean? But even then, give me Chubb, Bradley Chubb and at six. If, if they Bradley drafted Nick Fitzpatrick at six, the Jets are running big nickel for the rest of their lives. Exactly. Hey, Adams and Fitzpatrick, that would be ridiculous. Um, exactly. But, yeah, so – and I agree with you. If, they, if he doesn't have a first-round quarterback or Kirk Cousins or maybe like a Tyrod Taylor, um, he, needs to, he needs to be fired. This is a one-year extension. McCaglin has been okay. Bowles was really bad this year. He looked a little bit better. So they're kind of tied at the hip where I don't think they would fire Bowles. Where they don't are they're not in love with McCagnan bringing a new head coach and then maybe fire McCagnan after this year so they're tied at the hip at this point they're, it's a one year extension um, basically where they can get rid of both of them so there's not too much thought this is this is what we thought was going to happen um, nothing too surprising we didn't really we didn't, none of us thought that he was gonna get fired after this year five and eleven they overachieved uh, at least in my opinion at least a little bit maybe but Glenn let's get into the picks because I do have to run. Um, yeah, go ahead. Throw. I, I don't even know who's playing this week. Give me throw. Throw the teams at me, and I'll. I'll of course, them. as we always do it. How, how how'd I do this week, by the way? I, do I not ever tell you, Glenn? Do I just skip on that oh, part? Well, only because <laughs> you said you were about to leave. I thought you were gonna get. Right no, there. no. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I have to leave in a couple of minutes. Meaning, like, let's do the picks now. Did I go five and zero? No, you did not go five and zero. So we both. I, I had a bad week. Like after all this talk of, like, yeah, I know they get to to this record, whatever. You went three and two. I went two and three. Um, you are now 52 and 28. I am 50 and 30, which is just depressing. Um, we both picked the Patriots who beat the Jets 26 to six. Uh, we both picked the Falcons who beat the Panthers 22 to 10. Uh, we both picked the Ravens who lost 31 to 27. Uh, knocking ourselves out of the playoffs. I picked the Dolphins. You picked the Bills. The Bills won 22 to 16. We both picked the Jaguars. Uh, who lost 15 to 10 to the Tennessee Titans. So three and two, two and three for me. Uh, this week we're doing the playoff games, obviously, and I need to come right. back. Um, so this week the first playoff game, which is tomorrow at 4.30, Saturday at 4.30, um, the nine and seven Titans at the 10 and six Chiefs. Nine and six Titans? Uh, give me the Chiefs. Okay, yeah, that's what uh, I'm. I'm gonna take that as well, just because they're they're in Kansas City and the Titans are so inconsistent this year. Um, next game, the Saturday night game at eight fifteen, the ten and six Falcons at the eleven five Rams. Give me the Rams. You know what? You know what I'm doing here, Glenn, because I need to because I need to come back and because it's the Rams' first. Hey, yeah, no game. comeback, no comebacks. I won. Season's over. No. <laughs> These are the postseason picks. Too. No, no. Last season it carried to the postseason too. Don't even, don't you dare. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, you're taking the Rams. I'm gonna take the Falcons. They're out, they're on the road. They've been in the playoffs before. They're in the Super Bowl, even though they choked. This is the Rams' first uh, chance in the playoffs. And I, I love that Rams defense. Everyone loves the offense, but I have that defense. Aaron Donald's a monster. There's always an upset, Glenn. There's always an upset. So I'm taking the Falcons on the road in LA. It is All what right. it is. Yeah. So um, the next game, which is on Sunday at one o'clock, the nine and seven Bills at the ten and six Jaguars. Jags. 
Yeah, knew that was going to happen. I, I mean, I mean, I think it's going to be. I, I would not. I could. I could see the Bills winning that game. I yeah, think that. I think that Bills defense is good enough that they're going to give Blake Bortles a really hard time. And McCoy is so good too. It's only because is McCoy playing? Give me the Bills. I'm taking the Bills in the upset. Wow. Give me the Bills. Okay, you're taking the. I, I think that Bill. Oh, it's it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a three point game. Are you taking the Bills? I'm I'm taking the Bills, but I wouldn't bet that game because I can see either team winning it easily. Because the because yeah, and McCoy is playing. Um, Blake Bortles is still not a good quarterback in my opinion. I think they're just kind of playing around him. Now you listened to the episode last week. Me and Kyle went over the Jags roster for like five minutes about how freaking good they are. It's just like they're. It, it, it really is good, but I'm I'm basically putting this on. I'm looking at it as Tyrod Taylor versus a great defense and and Blake Bortles versus a great defense. I would yeah. take Taylor, but I, I would not put I would not put money on it. I'm I'm that this is my upset, but I would be I'm like fifty one percent one way or the other. Like either team could win this game. Okay, so you're taking the Bills. Um, I'm going – now the next game is the last game of the wild card weekend, uh, 440, the 11-5 Panthers at the 11-5 Saints divisional matchup. Saints, give me the Saints. Yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking the Saints as well. So hopefully I catch up on that one game, the Jags. Um, but we're both taking Kansas City. I'm taking – all right, no, we're taking two different games this week. Um, yeah, so we're both taking Kansas City. I'm taking the Falcons. You're taking the Rams. I'm taking the Jags. You're taking the Bills. We're both taking the Saints. Um, thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back hopefully next Wednesday at, at six, even though we've been a little bit, or I've been more spotty, um, with the times I'm available. So I apologize for that. I've been a little bit busy. Leave us a review. Like I said, we got a five-star rating and then we got a five-star rating and review this week, which we appreciate. Please leave them. If you'd like the show, um, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. Go subscribe on YouTube. Um, subscribe, watch the shows on there where we break down film. We didn't go over as much film in detail this week, but we had three, uh, hosts for the beginning of the show um thank you to our sponsor odd shark check out jetnation.com forums uh glenn any closing thoughts sign kirk cousins sign kirk cousins all right we will be back like i said hopefully next wednesday at six o'clock thank you everybody for listening and we'll talk to you soon